This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking the last voyage of the Demeter. Aaron, what's your blood type? It's blood red B. Ah, ah, ah. This is terrible. <laughs> Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording. This is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello, Aaron, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm keeping cool. I'm playing probably too many video games because I'm Uh-oh. just inside these days to keep from the sun sometimes. Uh, but it's it's working. I'm getting... I'm getting uh, I'm getting done, and we've got a war Ragnarok. I'm going through it. Oh, see. there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Travel back in time, stay hydrated. Yeah, those things, exactly. Yeah. How, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. I, I missed last week. I'm excited to talk about Quickies TM, uh, and uh, we're here today. Good. <laughs> well, Out Now is a film podcast where Amy and I discuss new movies weekly. We dig into movies, be most support for your review, with the occasional commentary track or some other fun movie topic. This is episode 545, 545. Whoa, another palindrome. We did it. We reached another numerical I mean, palindrome. How many are there in the history of uh, math? You know, in Probably history, not that many. The history Probably of math? Halfway. That's... Yeah, yeah. We're halfway, right? <laughs> Yeah, sure. Yeah. And this week we're discussing The Last Voyage of the Demeter. Dun, dun, dun. Exactly. Exactly that music. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's I I I am looking forward to talking about this movie with you guys. Okay. But joining us to discuss The Last Voyage of the Demeter, we have from Alexander Robinson movie and TV reviews on YouTube, Sleeping Nightly in a dirt box of dirt. It's Alexander Robinson. Hello, everyone. I think I think the fact that Considering what we're talking about today, Aaron might have given away that he is a vampire. <laughs> Staying out of the sun, playing video games indoors. Come on. Removing garlic from my pizza. It's actually not cherry slushy that he's drinking. It's actually just blood slushy. It's pretty gross. Fortunately, I'm Jewish, so I already he, stay away from crosses. Yeah, he's got a tarantula in his house. You know, he just he loves it. That classic vampire trope of tarantulas <laughs> in the house. They they need more of that in horror movies. They need more. They need more of that intermingling. It is funny when you like see older horror movies and it's like, what do we do for set dressing? Well, like my friend has a tarantula. You just see like one randomly in the background sometimes. Like, yeah, that's creepy, I guess. You know who took this to the next level? Spielberg in all the Indiana Jones movies. That He's true. like, fuck it. A thousand rats. Fuck it. Millipedes. Yeah, but if you get if you get a tarantula in, you'd have to have, uh, is it John Peters involved? Yes. <laughs> yeah. The producer yeah. John Peters, yes. Barbara Streisand? John Peters? Streisand. Oh, okay. Alexander, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, just it's been hot here in Los Angeles, ridiculously humid, uh, and I I blame all the uh, Florida residents that came <laughs> to Universal this summer. It's like you brought the humidity here. We don't want it. Yeah, take your gators back. <laughs> oh, they l- luckily they haven't brought those. Oh, and yeah, yeah. If 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 humidity is the only thing they brought over, then in hindsight, I'll take it. Guys, I just thought of a great movie premise. Go on. Vacationers from Florida bring alligator eggs to California at Universal Theaters or Universal Campus. Invasive species horror movie. Mm. So it's Boom. like So it's like Alligator 3 theme park. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Starring right. Alexander Robinson. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, we're going to get writing on this right away. Alexander, it's good to have you back on the show. The last time you were on was uh, Godzilla versus Cog. Which was, keep in mind, Dave, this is episode 545. That was episode 446. So it's wow. been 100 oh, episodes. So just like you've... just, yeah, just one episode ago. Yeah. <laughs> so you've, you've made it back. Uh, mm-hmm. But glad to have you here. Thank you. Glad to be here. For sure. 
Let's get into some show notes. Okay. Um, we got a few things to go over, but the first thing I want to talk about is William Friedkin. Yes. Uh, the famed Academy Award winning director of films such as The French Connection and The Exorcist, Sorcerer, To Live and Die L.A., among others. Uh, he passed away this this past week at the age of 87 um, with one film left to go. He has a film uh, based on the Cane Mutiny that is uh, coming to, I believe, the Venice film. It's, deb- it's debuting at the, one of the festivals this year. William Friedkin uh, was a fantastic director and like an even better speaker like mm-hmm. watching it like i've seen a lot of these clips before but like this week watching just a bunch of william friedkin clips it's like watching a stand-up special if you watch like the right set of clips in a row like he has such a he was such a no guff opinionated person as far as what he thought of his films other films and the whole whole cinematic culture it's just like uh, along with getting to see a lot of his you know a lot of his films and there's still something i need to catch up on his presence as like a storyteller in the realm of you know the new hollywood era and what have you uh certainly like he left an impact for sure so it was you know i don't try to get too caught up in these things that people like you know don't know but respect to some degree but it's like this one like it's like oh freaking passed away is that Mm -hmm. really uh you know it was nice to just like recap a lot of his stuff uh going through you know various clips and things like that yeah uh, I was also bummed that he passed away. Uh, obviously, eighty six ripe old life. Uh, he also had a lot uh, that he accomplished within those eighty six years, which is incredible. Um, I I mostly kind of just to Aaron's point about him telling stories. I mostly just really wanted to hear what he would have to say about ex- the new Exorcist movie um, after it was released because he's got some he's got some great stories about Exorcist two and how he's he's never gonna watch that. But um, yeah, William Freakin, rest in peace. I'm pretty sure because uh, Killer Joe came out 2011. I think 2012 was when it came out. I think 2012? Was, I, I thought think it, was, it was like 2014. Wow. It was very early. And it was yeah. it was early and when Marcus had Marcus Robinson had joined the show and he did not like that movie at all or I thought it was really great. And I feel yeah. like that's one of the, the more contentious arguments that we've had on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> about how much we disagree about Killer Joe of all movies. Um, but uh, Alexander, any, any thoughts on uh, William Freakin? So this is the point where I feel like I have to show myself out because I have not seen French Connection or Exorcist. In fact, the only like I've seen a bit of uh, his 2006 movie Bug, and I'm not I'm not exactly sure why I watched part of it. And I don't remember. (laughs) I don't have any strong feelings about it because I've not seen the whole thing. But I mean, considering that two of his movies like back to back French uh-huh. connection to exorcist are widely regarded. And the exorcist is one of the, is the film that's basically credited as the scariest movie ever made. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's hard not to feel the, his influence without, even if you haven't seen his films. It's, For sure. And uh, the exorcist is one that I'm considering. There's a new one coming out in two months. Uh, I need to make, I, feel like i need to make that priority sooner than later well the uh the great thing about not having seen you know some of the greatest films out there is that you get to see those films when you watch them which is uh yeah it's one way of looking at it but i mean you you get you know regardless of how you end up feeling about it the idea of getting to see something fresh that's you know has a certain legacy behind it i think could be exciting in its own way for sure so yeah, I, I'm curious about that to... too. i'd love to listen read watch your review sometime on that uh in the near future here alexander mostly just because you know, uh, I I will never watch that movie again. But I watched it when I was twelve, and I I'm curious to see what it's like in my thirties. But I I'm also uh kind of devolving back in my twelve year old self and be like, 
no, never again. <laughs> yeah, there is that. The only fear I have of watching The Exorcist, pardon the uh, pun of fear, but I'm just like, there's a part of me that's scared. It's like, is this going to be as good as everyone says it is? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember when I first saw The Ring, uh, the American version, uh, and I was like, maybe I saw this too late because it didn't really do much for me. If it matters, I didn't like The Ring when I saw it when it came out. <laughs> That's me. Oh, yeah, I okay. can't have my feelings on it. I think I was mixed on it. But um, okay. I mean, I think well, something like The Exorcist, which we, we do not need to spend too much more time on, but I do think there's it's easy to see i think the craft and what's going into it regardless of how effective you think it is as a scary movie like i don't i don't like exorcism horror doesn't technically doesn't really frighten me that much mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I, but it's easy to see like why this would be regarded so highly just as far as what's going on in this movie especially when you look at other exorcism movies right that have come out yeah, yeah. since when you have a movie that's so definitive as far as establishing this kind of genre for the modern age it's like well how, how if it's not topping this or getting close to it you know you can see where the yeah you can see where it excels and where it doesn't. Alexander, I recommend uh, eating some pea soup as you're watching the movie. So. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And uh, not, to get caught had... up in, not to get caught up in just the exorcist, but like the French Connection such a masterful film too. Oh, yeah. Um, Gene Hackman just- Wearing amazing. hats? Wear, wearing hats and our and our boy Roy Scheider just right there with him. Mm-hmm. Speaking mm-hmm. of Scheider again- Fosse's Roy Scheider? So, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, all that jazz is Roy Scheider. Um, Sorcerer too, which, which stars uh, Scheider. That's a movie that I know- Myself included, many have caught up on in recent years because it finally came out on Blu-ray and it just wasn't right. available for the longest times. But it's a, it's an, it's a really great movie as far as, again, just the 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 skill that Freakin had to bring to it to make this thing happen. It was like the hardest movie he had to make, and you, it shows on screen why that would be the case. But uh, mm-hmm. certainly, you know, if you haven't caught up in a lot of, in general, I'm speaking to everybody now. If you haven't caught up on a lot of, you know, these some of these highly acclaimed William, William Freakin films. Uh, there's certainly a lot to catch up on. Certainly a lot to that you don't want to necessarily miss. Sure. All right. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to some other show notes here. Um, speaking of uh, horrific things uh, like The Exorcist, we had uh, our Blade commentary. Oh yeah. This week, uh, it is uh, we do a commentary every month, and for the past few months, we've been doing a thing called Superhero Summer, which has been a lot of fun. We talk about very superhero films. We've concluded that uh, theme of podcast commentaries with Blade. Um, which we talked a we like did not stop. We had plenty to say about Blade throughout that movie. Myself, Brandon Peter, Scott Mendelson, and Mark Hoffmeyer. That's available now on iTunes where you can find all of our episodes. And you can also give us a rating and review. Thank you so much in advance. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we need a question. It's, it's been there. a week. It's been a week. I, I'm a little rusty. <laughs> all right. The other thing we have to do, the 11th annual summer movie gamble. Okay. Oh boy. Um, Okay, so this is, of course, where we predicted the top, what we think will be the top 10 highest grossing films at the domestic box office this summer. It's been going all summer long. Abe and myself, along with many other frequent guests of the show, we all have a, a stake in this. Uh, no pun intended for this week's movie because that movie's not a factor of this competition whatsoever because <laughs> it did not right, do right, very right. well. Yeah. It landed in fifth place of 6 million, 6.5 million. Mm-hmm. None of us thought this would like do super great. So it's like, it's not a surprise. But as far as how the other movies are doing, let me tell you, Abe. Okay. Barbie only dropped 36%, held on to number one, made another 33 million. It is at oh 526 gosh. million domestic right now. So it's running away with number one. It's well, it's running to, to, and then some. Like yeah. it's yeah, it's it's yeah, yeah. running away for sure. Incredible. Good it's job. Good, it's likely gonna be, I think, WB's like top grossing movie ever. I think it's pronounced WB. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's Aaron silently laughing at my joke. It's knocked the wind out of me. <laughs> um, Oppenheimer, no slouch either. Another uh-huh. eighteen million down thirty five percent. Two sixty four. Oh, so that's probably like third, fourth, fourth. It's it's in second place. Oh, what two? No, no, no. For for the entire summer though. Oh, for the entire. Well, we'll see because okay, here's the thing. Right. It's at two sixty four. Little Mermaid is at two ninety seven. Oh wow! Okay. So wow. Oppenheimer has for our for our purposes has like two weeks basically. Two to, more weeks to perhaps catch up. Right. We will see. We will see how that goes. Uh, but I'm very curious if Oppenheimer is able to get even higher in the ranking here okay. because uh, things are pretty set, except for a few things as far as where the final rank is going to go. Uh, yeah. TMNT colon Mutant Mayhem made another 15 million, only down 44 percent. It made it's at 72 total. We'll see where if that lands anywhere. Um, you'd have to catch up pretty big at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Meg two does not matter. It's not making money in America that much. It's at fifty four total. Uh, China, it's doing well. Mm-hmm. Haunted Mansion no made surprise. another. Yeah, yeah. Haunted Mansion made another five. It's at fifty two. Talk to me. Not a factor in this competition whatsoever. But talk to me is only down nineteen percent from last weekend. Incredible. Five million, which is a, probably about the the budget of this movie to begin with, if not less. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's at thirty one million total. Uh, it's that that's a domestic huge... or, or international. International is probably a little bit higher. I don't know. Okay. It's super high. Yeah. yeah it's like but total is it's made total. Total's thirty four. I mean, for a movie oh, like this, incredible. where the budget's very low and it's you know an A two four release, yes, it's yeah. still it's and it doesn't have anybody in it. Like it's not like Hereditary or Midsommar, which at least had people in it. This movie has nothing beyond for it beyond. I it's think a you movie. Need headless people in it. Thank you. Um, Sound of Freedom uh, dropped a bit. It's at eighth place. That made another four million. It's at one seventy two. Mm-hmm. So it's still in, still deeply oh in the top ten. Gosh, more more so than Mission Impossible. It's <laughs> our Mission Colon Impossible size Dead Reckoning Part One, which is at one fifty nine, yeah. or Indiana Jones was at one seventy two. Uh, actually, so they're tied right now. But Sound of Freedom is still making more money than India, so it's going to still sure. top out over it. Uh, so yeah, that's the uh, that's the that's the top ten of this week, and that's the yes, that's the uh, box office scuttlebutt. That's it is the scuttle button. So, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, Elemental's at 150, by the way, still making some money. Okay, yeah. So, um, am I, am I correct? The top, uh, it's probably Dark Horse. It, it's gonna be no, it's gonna be in the top 10. Elemental, oh, it is. Okay. Elemental's probably gonna be number 10. Oof, wow. Okay, yeah. good so work. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I, I've, I haven't looked at the charts in a bit to see who would um, potentially benefit from Elemental's placement, but um. Right. This should be interesting when we add up these final scores. Okay, that's a lot of box office stuff. Let's get out of this. Let's move on. Let's get us some out quickies. Trademark. Each we don't know when we leave the trademark. Those quickies. Trademark. All right. Sped that one up. That was fun. Yeah. Abe, like you it. unfortunately missed out last week, so I, I need did. To hear what what happened with with I, you with these movies? Because we talked I did about a miss out last week, but I did edit the episode, so I listened to what you guys said. Uh huh. And, uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll go in the order that we talked about last week. So Meg 2, uh, but probably one of the worst movies of the year. Um, I think that it was just schlocky. It wasn't a schlocky fun. It was just like, this is bad acting. This is overacting. This is this is not enough Meg action, not enough like animal action. There's like a lot of human drama in it. And for the first two thirds of the movie, I was like, I don't know, guys. I'd rather just see like Jason say them, like kick some Meg's ass or uh, Wu Jing just like you know Wu Jing, not enough uh, martial arts action or anything like that too. He breaks bricks, uh, in the in the trailer and that happens in the first like five minutes of the movie. Not great. He breaks bricks in a like Halo suit. Yeah, it's like an exo exoskeleton Halo suit, which As never comes have. up again. It, 
it, it surprisingly doesn't have much of an impact on this movie's plot. <laughs> yeah, and he's <laughs> except for the part where it's like that's my design. <laughs> um, the 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 villains are laughable, like you know, in a very like bad way. I'm just like this is this is some terrible writing here, and it feels like it was written by like a 15 year old, but I don't know who wrote this. I I feel bad. I I I, I laugh only because it was. It was almost so bad that it was good, but it was just still kind of bad. The third act kind of does save it, but also just not enough. Like, I I mean, riding the crest of a wave is very hard to do on a, on a jet. I don't know if you guys like Go into this part. more, please. The riding the crest, <laughs> why you didn't like a Meg 2. The riding of the crest is very hard to do. Go on. It's hard to do. It's a very heavy, <laughs> it's very he- heavy uh, sea craft, personal uh-huh. sea craft. You're not going to be able to do that. You have to ride like the middle of the wave. You know what I mean? Like, but you know, I didn't like the movie either. But but jet ski action, innocent. That's what I'm saying. Jet ski action's fine. Yeah, and <laughs> Wu Jing holding his breath like Tom Cruise for more than six minutes, uh, and including getting squeezed by like a giant. Yeah, Tom Cruise didn't have to fight an octopus. No, yet. yeah. He also didn't stab it with like a sword with like a C4 yet, charge. Yet. on it. What if Reckoning Part Two when he has to find that sub? It's like, oh, there's the sub, guys. Oh wait, there's an octopus over here. <laughs> they're in the deep it becomes like thirty thousand leagues you know 10 more than twenty thousand. So and she's like what are you gonna do ethan it's <laughs> like just calm down we gotta yeah. keep the mission fight the octopus I also, yeah i also thought about um like the single black character in the movie and how uh-huh. he got like uh he got the the um remember in not another teen movie when he's like oh i'm just a black character so all i say is shit Hell no. Oh, that's whack. That was like, this is exactly what happened to this character. I will say, I will say this for this character. He is that in the first movie, and it very much annoyed me. Yeah. He gets a he gets a good upgrade in this movie. He I does. Liked, I liked what he was doing this time around. Yeah. Because he says the line like, oh, this is uh this is gonna bite us in the ass. You like watch out or whatever. But yes, he does get an upgrade because he he like says, like, I started working out, I started taking karate lessons, and he carries like a handgun around. So uh, so the Meg Two, not not great, man. Like I wish that it was like schlocky fun, but it's actually just yeah, kind of like ugh. So um, and then we watched uh, or I watched uh, Teen Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, Mutant Mayhem. Uh, I th- I really liked it. I didn't love it. Uh, I think that you guys kind of point out some things I I also uh, felt were lacking in it, which is we talked about the Haunted Mansion the week before, like two weeks ago at this point, uh-huh. and we talked about how the characters. They all get like a chance to kind of get further character introspection from an audience standpoint. And I, I, I agree with you, Aaron, which is like, hey, there's actually a lot that they're doing here in a very limited time. But it just feels like some of it's like thinned out and glossed over. So it, not necessarily like that it was bad. It was just more like, oh, well, I would have liked to learn more about some of the like Splinter or what have you. Um, I did enjoy the aspects this is not my observation of somebody else's but um they somebody had mentioned that the old 80s 90s cartoon the one that we probably all grew up with um and even the first movie going on into out of the shadows or some of the more recent ones they're they're teenagers that are like probably late teens maybe like 18 19 17 and this one i felt like yeah they were like 13 <laughs> Oh, like, no, it, okay. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. It, I, like, I, would, I, would, I would say yeah. the other ones, they're adults playing yes, teenagers yeah, yeah, yeah. and it doesn't sure. work. <laughs> yeah. I was, yeah. I thought it was like one of those, um, like the 80s uh, view on teenagers where, yeah, yeah they, they say a bunch of cool phrases and whatnot, but they're actually like nearing 30. Yeah. 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 yeah and, so and by, this by is, comparison, this is, yes, these are teenagers. Yeah. 
Yeah. Exactly. And this is just me keeping in line with like the title of the movie. Like, oh, they should be teenagers. Well, it feels like they're late teens. But yeah, they're totally like in like their 30s. Like Raphael's going through like some real shit in like the first movie, the 1990 movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I really like that they were like 13, 14, like kind of just like goofy, kind of like angsty, you know, on their phones. Uh, very modern. Uh, I, I like the approach that they took here. I, it took me a while to warm up to the approach because I was like, well, this isn't what I remember from the from my growing up or like even my comic book readings of these turtles. But um, when I got with it, it was actually a really fun journey to go on. Um, and I really appreciate what they did with uh, the themes of the movie about being accepted and also just like being yourself and kind of wanting and yearning for more. Um, but then I also really dug what they did with the turtles after the movie um, uh-huh. and how that has changed uh, from the other quote unquote canon events. So I really like this movie, um, but some things held back from it too, which is some of the character stuff. So that's what I've been watching lately. And uh, I've been playing a lot of Zelda again. It's a very long game, Aaron. Uh, I would recommend Tears of the Kingdom, but I'm I'm like almost ready to fight the big boss here. So maybe another week. Well, it helps that Ragnarok is amazing. So I'm not upset too much that I can't play a Zelda game right now, but it's <laughs> fine, go. I guess. <laughs> Alexander, what have you seen recently? Uh, well, those two movies, I'll just voice my opinions on them quickly. I love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Uh, I actually, like, I wasn't, like, into the Ninja Turtles craze like so many other people were, but I did really like the 2003 animated series that came out. Uh, okay, yeah. Like, that seems like, that's more, yes. like, my definitive uh, Turtles incarnation up until this one, because it's like, yeah, this is the first time where I actually believe that they were teenagers. And in terms of Splinter, I thought this was the first time they really played into the father aspect of that character, where he actually is trying to be a dad rather than just the wise old sensei that we're so familiar with. Mm-hmm. And uh, the animation's great. I like how it has more of a grungy look than what Spider-Verse or even the two DreamWorks movies last year gave us with this style. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a little weird seeing like some of the background characters looking more hideous than the actual mutants themselves. <laughs> like that, that weirded me out. But I'm like, okay, I'll let it. I'll let it slide. They're weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then Meg too. I, I, I'll go on record right now saying it's the worst movie of the year so far. Boom. Like I know, like some people, some people have told me. Oh, what about Winnie the Pooh, Pooh, Blood and Honey? I'm like, yeah, but what did you expect from that? Huh? <laughs> like, like, could that movie have gone any other way? No, I, I can but, get behind you as far as disappointment goes. Like that, that there was, I had higher hopes for, but not hot, super high, but like I had higher hopes for the Meg for Meg too than I did for other movies that I figured. Oh, would I thought you were talking about uh, Winnie the Pooh, Aaron. Like, <laughs> no, wow, that's that's, Mar- that's that's Marcus territory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, it's just like. I wasn't I was by no means a fan of the first one. Sure. Uh the trailers actually sold me this time around and Ben Wheatley hasn't like okay, you know what that's actually not true. I I liked Free Fire, but I hated his adaptation of Rebecca, so I oh, was that like terrible. <laughs> yeah. It's it's laughable. It's a good drinking game though. But it's also like <laughs> why is he involved in that movie? Like that's that's such a weird yeah. place for him to go. But going into Meg 2, I thought okay, this this really could go either way and 
it's weird that they would make a movie with three Megalodon sharks and go, you know what? Let's just rip off the abyss. Let's make it about corporate espionage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And let's draw focus more on these weird reptilian like creatures that have survived the dinosaur extinction than these three giant sharks. Yeah, like say what you will about the Jaws sequels, but at least they kept it simple. It's like, yeah, it's still about Jaws. Like yeah. it's still about the giant shark that's terrorizing the city. Which yeah. was one where like the mom goes after the shark. That's like, the revenge. Yeah, that's four. That's, that's four. Which, yeah, at the which, very least, that movie's not boring. That's yeah, my, that's, exactly. That's my take on that. Movie. I I'm it's, still moved when she remembers like the dinner sequence. It's with... a bad movie, but it's not boring. <laughs> where Meg two, there's a lot of boring going on in there. I <laughs> I know. I'd argue, I would still argue that Jaws: The Revenge is worse because I, I, oh, there's... yeah, no, I agree, it's a worse movie, but it's also, yeah. but, but it's not worse because of its boringness. <laughs> but let me, let me say this, like, uh, I think Jaws: The Revenge, if Jaws: The Revenge is technically a worse film, we can all agree on that. Yes. But Jaws: The Revenge does have more entertainment value because whenever that shark pops up, you just want to do nothing but howl with laughter, uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, especially the uh the end where well, I, I always phrase it like this uh, um the seeing the shark a shark made out of play-doh being stabbed by a boat made out of popsicle sticks in a bathtub <laughs> you're just like how in the world did a big major studio um okay this yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Meg Two. So far, it's it's the worst movie I've seen this okay. year. Um, it's it. I don't like to champion like the failures of a movie, but right, right. it it kind of makes me happy that this movie is not doing well domestically, at least. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else? There you go. Uh, not much else. Uh, I guess since y'all mentioned games, I've been playing. Uh. I've been revisiting Pokemon Stadium 2 uh on Nintendo Switch online. All right. Okay. And uh it's it's a it's definitely challenging since you have to stick with rental Pokemon. But it's it it's good times and since they recently announced that Red Dead Redemption's coming to the Switch, I'm like, mm. oh great. I, really? I can fi- yeah, just like huh. literally yesterday I think and it's coming out uh Thursday. Oh, okay. So I'm I, like, um, yeah, go on. Sorry. I was like, finally, I like, this is my favorite game of all time. And the fact that I can finally play it on the go is excellent. Yeah. I saw, I saw that it was coming out like to PS4 or to P sorry, to PS5 as well. And yeah, on the switch and everything. So I, regardless, I saw, I just watched the trailer for it again. Cause it was just popping up a lot. Uh-huh. It just gave me so many like good memories of that whole game. Cause that game is amazing and i like i i as much as i like red dead redemption 2 i think it's fantastic one has like the better story and i just i I think it's just a phenomenal game so and just watching that trailer is like yeah Yeah. and then the undead nightmare dlc with it oh it's so good also yeah so that's exciting Mm -hmm. all right i've seen a few things this week uh first up is a movie called jewels um this movie has ben kingsley and it has what I think is maybe the worst poster I've seen this year <laughs> because I kept getting press emails about it. It's like, why do I want to watch this movie? Um, it like the, nothing about this poster appeals to me. And this is where you don't judge a book by its cover because I watched this movie finally. I got the screener for it, and it's quite good. Hmm. Uh, ben Kingsley stars. It's an older man who's living alone in his house. He has a daughter who worries about him. The daughter is what's his face is uh, Brian Cox's um, girlfriend in Succession. 
Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, one, yeah, like the one he's having an affair with, essentially. Right, right. His uh, secretary. His secretary, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who goes Personal on personal assistant? His yeah. assistant, yeah, yeah. Uh, but like he, so you don't even know where this is going yet. He's an older man. He's living alone. Uh, a spaceship crashes in his backyard. Um, that would get. That would have guessed. Exactly. An alien pops out of it, and it has no expression. It says nothing. It just kind of becomes very curious, um, and enters Ben Kingsley's house and he just kind of takes care of it when he tells other people yeah an alien crashed in my backyard they don't believe him he just because he's the way he kind of casually brings it up and they just think he's like talking crazy or whatnot uh-huh. um, there's a couple of supporting actors in here including Jane Curtin uh, who get involved in all this the Jane Curtin yeah and it's a very like low-key sci-fi comedy drama that's quite good it Ben yeah. Kingsley's great in this movie in the hmm. kind of like underplaying it performance that you forget that Ben Kingsley can do every now and then when he's not playing like these over-the-top characters he's mm-hmm. done a number of times lately and it's just like a really sweet little movie <laughs> I where did you watch this it's a it's in theaters Reading? right it's in theaters okay. right now I had a screener for okay, it okay I believe it's on VOD also but it's okay. called Jules and it's good I enjoyed it Got despite it. its okay. terrible poster um <laughs> so there <laughs> uh, I watched a film called Dreamin' Wild uh heard of it Dreaming Wild stars Casey Affleck. Actually, that's a number of people. Casey Affleck, Zoe Deschanel, Walton Goggins, Bo Bridges, and my favorite Chris, Chris Messina. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. Wow. <laughs> and, um, yeah. As well as, uh, sorry, Noah Jupe and Jack Dylan Grazer as younger versions of Casey Affleck and there Walton you go. Goggins. Uh, it's based on a, I believe it's based on a, a true, it's, yeah, it's based on a true story. True story. Directed, yeah. it's based, directed by Bill Pollard. Who directed Love and Mercy a few years back? The uh, mm-hmm. the uh, oh, what's it? The Beach Boys. Brian Brian Wilson, Wilson? the Brian yeah. Wilson movie with John Cusack and Paul Dano, a movie that was on my top ten that I really liked. So that's why yeah, I was curious movie. about this movie. This is another music drama that kind of goes back and forth in time. Uh, it follows this kind of story. These two brothers they made an album when they were really young, like teenagers, and then it like somehow finds traction later on in life, and it just deals with what that newfound fame does to them and recapping the story of what happened with this album to begin with. Mm-hmm. It's, it kind of meanders a bit. It's like, so it's like, it's not great, but I do, I do think the performances from Affleck and Goggins and like, they're all really good. And it's a very, suffice to say nice feel like it's rated PG, which I don't get very often when it comes to like live action movies. And it's like, mm-hmm. I like this. I like that. It, it's the stakes aren't very high. It's just more of here's a neat character study about something that actually happened. Um, so it's it's worth it's a worthwhile watch. Not one to race out as necessarily, but I, I enjoyed the movie. Okay. Um. Okay. So I watched Heart of Stone. This is the latest Netflix spends a bunch of money on an action movie and puts some stars in it. We'll see what happens. Um. And this oh. one has this one has Gal Gadot. Yes. Uh, we talked about this trailer. Um. Yeah. A trailer I recall laughing during the plot synopsis of because of the various things involved in it. Um. I'll say this: we've talked, we've talked about a number of these movies, including Red Notice. You're talking about Netflix movies, the Netflix action yes, movies that are Red Notice, The Gray Man. What's the other Ryan Reynolds ones? Um, Adam. The Adam Project. The Adam Project. Thank yeah, you. yeah. Um, the hardest. Stone, I'm not going to say Hardest Stone is good. I will say it at <laughs> least it at least looks better than some of these, specifically okay. Red Notice, which is the bottom of the barrel. Uh, like it feels like it feels like the camera decided to like. I don't know, show what was going on fairly clearly, which was a nice change of pace. And, mm-hmm. and like the backgrounds weren't 
you know, they didn't have to worry about having The Rock and Ryan Reynolds and Godot all in the same place and like green screening <laughs> them together to make it seem like that actually happened. The story itself is pretty ludicrous where she plays a secret agent working for MI6, but she works for a different secret agent organization. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but she's just she's just like she's she's like the tech person in the van for mi6 but she's actually secretly what? a super spy <laughs> she she's guy in the chair she's guy in the chair style. but she's actually when they yeah. are when they aren't looking essentially she's actually a super secret agent <laughs> is she does, does she is this a comedy no it's a very serious oh, movie okay, okay. <laughs> like, yeah yeah the based on what you said it sounds like it would be a comedy yeah like, are they They said that she works for MI6. Is, are they trying to have her do a British accent? No, no, she's she's playing Israeli. Like it's <laughs> okay. really it's yeah. doing its thing. But like the film, it wants to be like a Mission Impossible or a James Bond. It's like a light version of those. The okay. it's not doing anything revolutionary. It's not, but it's not like terrible. It's just like it's barely tolerable. But it's like I hate Red Notice so much. <laughs> That's <laughs> just like it, it gets by it being better than that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's mm. what I have for it. But is it short? Fact, at least? No, it's two hours. <laughs> okay. Right, I watched it in two parts, so I guess that helps. Maybe that Ooh. helped my attitude for yeah, it. Yeah, that probably helped out. Yeah, I think that's not really a good sign when you say when you could say yeah, two hour movie too long. Yeah. Right. <laughs> when it comes to something like this, sure. Uh, so yeah, it's like she produced it it's like part, i i because it's ah. netflix so it'll be like it's our number one movie ever i'm sure at some point um so we'll see if there's like a franchise of heart of stone movies but uh, it is what it is <laughs> all right uh that's our quickies right back let's move on now let's get to our trailer talk we're talking about one of the new, newest movie trailers of the week when it's coming out what we thought of it would have you this way we are talking a haunting in venice this is the third Hercule Poirot film <laughs> from Kenneth Prada. Uh, of course, following up Murder on the Orient Express and Death on the Nile. Uh, this film, once again, uh, involves Poirot getting involved in some kind of murder mystery. I I suppose he's retired at this point, I believe, is like part of the thing. Isn't he, hasn't he been retired in like all of them? No, there are other ones. Like on oh, he's taking Express. vacation. Yeah, he's yeah, taking he's vacation. vacation. Death yeah, on the Nile. He's just kind of like, yeah, my friend invited me, so I guess yeah, I'm that's right. Now. Yeah, this one, I guess, he's retired. Um, he's attending a seance. Somebody dies. What? Oh, is it ghosts? Is it somebody in the real world? Who knows what's going on? But that's did you that. add the uh oh or did, did the studio? Do you think I'm reading really it the synopsis said uh oh? <laughs> I was like, I don't think the studio would be that cheeky to write uh oh, but I wish that they did. When someday when I write these, I will uh -oh. totally add uh oh's in there. Um, I do not have a familiarity with um the Agatha Christie novel that this one is based off of. Um, I barely had anything with Death on the Nile. The only one I knew was Murder on the Orient Express. Um, so I I don't have a frame of reference for this. Nor do I know. Nor do I know like who's getting killed off in this movie as uh -huh. of yet. Um, but I do know the film features, of course, Brana, his mustache, Jamie Dornan, Tina Fey, Jude Hill from Belfast, uh, Kelly Riley, Michelle Yeoh, among others. Uh, Alex Sander, I am curious. Do you have you been enjoying these Brana? pictures of Perot and are you looking forward to this movie? Uh I've act I actually really dug uh Murder on the Orient Express. Uh -huh. Um yeah I saw I saw it on the uh I saw it on the uh 20th century lots with my brother at the press screening and we both came out liking it. Uh Death on the Nile I think it came out the worst possible time for it to come out outside of like being delayed. 
it came out when se- when a handful Several of cast these members are um, not the best people to be involved with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when considering Army Hammer, especially with Army Hammer, and you're like, oh, <laughs> uh, but it's not. I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was awful per se. It just I actually like Death on the Nile. I liked it a little bit more than Murder. But, um, it had its hmm. issues, but yeah. um, but for this this one, I'm actually more intrigued because the trailers keep uh presenting the movie as something more horror oriented. Huh? Uh-huh. Like the others were more um not necessarily like straight up thriller, but they had more of a personality it, to them. Sure. Huh? Yeah. Uh, sort of like what Ryan Johnson's been trying to do with uh, the Knives Out films, except l- a little less comedic than what he's doing with them. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, every because every time I see a trailer for Haunting in Venice, uh, I keep forgetting that this is the third installment of this series. Uh, I'm like, what is this? Sure. And then when Kenneth Branagh shows up, I'm like, oh, Kenneth Branagh in the mustache. Like, oh, that definitely then. Yeah. <laughs> he's not. He's not just showing up in a movie. It's this character. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. And so tonally, this I, I'm actually looking forward to this because tonally, it seems like it could do something a lot different than the other two films. Huh? And it's a good way to keep it fresh. Uh, this again, I'm somebody who's not too familiar with the book this is based off of. Yeah, no, I, I'm actually entirely in agreement with you. I like that there's a different approach this time around that just makes it feel different from the previous films. And I completely forgot that because you know, Death and Nile, along with the timing didn't really do that well compared to Murder in the Orient Express, but I guess 20th century is just like, you know what? Pandemic. We can make another one of these. What else? We'll see what we can do here. Um, and yeah. they have gone for it. And I, yeah, and I'm, I'm not going to say I'm like super excited, but I'm more intrigued than not as far as seeing another one of these. Abe, how about you? Uh, they all stylistically look very good at times. Like certainly there's shots that, that I think that you and I talked about the pyramid sequence. I think in the last movie where it's like, it, it, he's clearly standing in front of a green screen. It doesn't look great, but there are shots like on the Nile, on the boat, sunset, et cetera, that look great. And I agree with you guys that this one has, it has my curiosity just from the standpoint of like, how, how does that girl disappear from his bathroom and reappear? Like, I don't know what's happening here, but um, if it plays it up in a much more horror standpoint or thriller standpoint, I would love that. Like, I think the other ones have been good, but Actually, not good. But I think the other ones have been interesting, but they haven't like really nailed it. Um, sure. I although I did like Orient probably more than than Death on the Nile, um, just from a cinematic standpoint. Uh, but I, I would be curious to see where this one goes. I'm also surprised Alexander that it's like, oh, I guess he must have signed like a five picture deal or something like that because I don't know how these movies have been doing. I think that Aaron, you mentioned that these the are first kind one of like... did what the first one made like four, like three fifty worldwide. Excuse or something me, like that. But the third, the first one did well. Uh-huh. First one also had a giant cast, and the second I one mean, had... they all seem to have giant casts. The first yeah. one had a pre... I mean, the first one had like you know Judy Dench and Michelle and... Pfeiffer and Johnny Depp. Like, uh, what's that girl? Uh, Anakin. She takes oh, on the Daisy. name Skywalker. Dizzy and... Ridley. Yes, yeah, yeah Anakin, and if, and uh, you know uh, Olaf himself, Josh Gad. It had a yeah, lot. That's of right. People. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Johnny Depp, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Who was so, really good in that movie, despite yeah, he's know, not bad. Johnny yeah. Depp at all, but uh. you know, he's also like good at like micro doses because he's also really good in um uh, the Fantastic Beast series for like a minute. But uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. I, uh, I I'm curious to see where this one goes, and mostly just because of the the theme that it has involved with it. Yeah, so uh, we'll see. This movie's coming out pretty soon, uh, September fifteenth. 
Um, and oh, so I, not far away. It's not far away. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, he's been shooting these like 70 millimeters. So if you get a chance to see it, he on, has. Yeah, all of them been shot. Like I saw the first Eesh. one on set in a 70 millimeter presentation. Like he's it's he's not slouching on who's on the studio pro- pro- producing 20, these or distributing 20th, these. 20th century. 20th. Okay. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think you mean 30. He's he's going all out and making yeah. these movies. So okay. Little power to him. Take that, Oppenheimer. I hope the killer's June Hill. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that'd be the best he's a killer <laughs> he's like this is for Belfast okay. <laughs> like for the city he has a flag he, stabs, yeah, stabs exactly. the, he impales a flag this is for Northern Ireland you fucking <laughs> asshole British people because Jamie Dornan's oh. in it too and he's, he does like he does the dance what's happening oh, he that's starts right. singing yeah. <laughs> he starts singing yeah <laughs> uh, we made this movie too interesting okay let's um, <laughs> what are we doing let's move on now let's get to our main review for The Last Voyage of the Demeter the Demeter, on charter from Romania to London. Shipping private crates, contents unknown. Out at sea with no land in sight. This here is Clemens. He's a doctor. You dress like a learned man. University of Cambridge. I know my way around the boat. Our charter has agreed to pay bonus for timely arrival in London. Let me show you the ship. This here is Huckleberry. We don't come with like this to give the yours clear. Demet is a fine boat, no doubt. That should have been some of the trailer for The Last Voyage of the Demeter, adapted from the Captain's Log chapter of Bram Stoker's Dracula. This is another film concept that's existed for a while, only to finally get made. 2003, to be exact, is when the rights were acquired, and various directors, including David Slade and Neil Marshall, were involved, as well as stars ranging from Ben Kingsley to Numi Rapaz to Jude Law to Viggo Mortensen were attached. Wow. I can see why, as the story focuses on the ship voyage from Transylvania to London, where a crew is terrorized by Dracula, comes out at night to feed and act like a jerk alexander <laughs> i'm so curious um are were you into this take on dracula and, and uh, what do you think of this movie the uh, last voyage of the demeter thought the movie was fine uh it's definitely it kills it in terms of atmosphere and being more of a got i guess you'd say gothic thriller sure uh because yeah the it's like the kills are really good it's that it really is that classic movie of characters in an isolated area being killed off by a force that they can't find and even combat until the very end. But uh, I thought this is what all I'm saying is coming from the perspective of somebody who's not read Bram Stoker's Dracula. But uh, I thought the characters themselves were kind of cliche. There are a lot of relationships that happen throughout where it's like they start out some way and then you can easily tell right away. It's like, oh, this is going to go this route. Uh, oh, look, it happened. And the ending, I guess it's expected considering that this was a adaptation of a single chapter. The ending is just kind of like that to be continued notion. And uh, considering how it's doing at the box office, uh, the uh, only way we have it, the only way we can actually follow this up is uh, probably the 1931 movie. Or any number of Dracula adaptations. Worth That's true, also. <laughs> if you just want to go really crazy, go for Francis Ford Coppola's movie. Mm, yeah. Okay, Abe. Yes. Uh, what did you think of this film? 
you know, it, it was better than I thought it was going to be. And I think that um, where it shines, it shines well. And that includes like some of the more thrillerish aspects, the suspense aspects, like the darker sequences, the blood, the gore. Like that stuff is great. I think where it doesn't shine is like some of the dialogue, like some of the dialogue and all that. Um, and it doesn't really hold it back necessarily because I, I'm there more for the atmosphere and the atmosphere they do really really well like i forget the guy's name like doctor or doctor uh the director's name andre um, overall 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 yeah and he directed sierra stories to tell in the dark which i think aaron would you call it I, some some critics had said it was a cinematic page turner <laughs> and he also directed troll hunter which uh are very they're they're they've got good things in them for sure and so it didn't really hold it back necessarily because i was actually kind of enthralled by by again the atmosphere and some of the the suspense elements of this movie um where i think that it it's a little long uh and then i also think that there's maybe some some uh l- looses with some of the characters that i think that could have been tightened up and I, I i think that could have made for a more um like bottle film of of like the thing kind of the uh, feel but this also is very reminiscent of something like predator where it's a very simple premise these people are all together and all of a sudden they have to like band together to, because they're all being picked off either one by one or they're just they're just trying to stop this force that's trying to get them. Um, and I really enjoyed that aspect of the movie because there's no really where to go. Like this is not uh, something where there's like, let me just get out of here. And even when the character tries to get out of there, it's like fucking Nosferatu is just like, I got wings, bitch. Um, so it's very it's very fun to some degree, actually. And I enjoyed that aspect of it. But it does get held back by some of the dialogue, I think. Yeah, in terms of simplicity, I mean, Predator, it's alien on a boat. Like, that's that's sure. the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it, and it, I think at its best, it does play with those notions as far as, you know, atmosphere, isolation, one by one Like, th- those things, I think, are handled as about as well as they can be, given what we have here. I, th- I've been looking forward to this movie just because I think the premise is such a cool idea. Like, when we took mm-hmm. this specific chapter and just made a whole movie out of it. And... You know, it didn't need to do a lot to impress me. As far as if you're if as long as you're gonna give me, you know, the atmosphere, a cool Dracula, and some deaths that work, that's really all that needs to assuage me. Like, so it's like, did it get there? Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, I appreciated that it did those things. Is the movie a little long? Yes, I. It's two hours. It doesn't need to be. There are. There's only so much for like these characters to do. Like it does spend yeah. a good amount of time establishing stuff, which I appreciated well enough. But you're because of the inevitability of this movie, like where it's going and what the results are likely going to be. It's like how much time do I really need to spend? So with that in mind, I thought Corey Hawkins and David Dasmalshian um, did a good, good, good jobs here. Dasmalshian, mm-hmm. I think, is uh, I, I'm happy to see him progressing so far. Like I think he's pretty good in, in the boogeyman from earlier this summer and just seeing him getting a meteor role like this um i thought that was it's worth it was worth it for him i like i liked what was going on with his character and hawkins is solid i think the movie doesn't really thrive on subtlety uh in the realm of <laughs> of his of being a black doctor um but it doesn't right, really right. it's a movie about dracula so it's like how subtle do you really need to have things um yeah. but i mean the the main appeal is obviously like dracula you know, like what the, what's going on there and I think the uh, the actor there, Javier Botet, who's this like lanky Spanish actor 
who's been in like a lot of monster things from like James Wan and Gilda. He's like in Crimson Tide. Tide. He's in Crimson okay. Peak. Mm. He's uh he's in, uh, he's the the skinny tall man in uh, Conjuring Two. Uh, he's in like he's in one of the it's or something ah, like okay. he, he does a lot of like put this guy in a big costume and let him be all tall and creepy yeah uh, he's he's mama um so it's like yeah put him as dracula i like that there's no attempt to humanize dracula it's just like no this is the monster version of dracula yeah. let's see him be a monster i i like that the film played with that a lot as far as having lurk around the shadows and and like not just being a murderer but you know feasting on people but like being a dick about it <laughs> i think there's just yeah, enough yeah, there yeah. where it gives you like a bit of personality not to make you sympathize or empathize in any way just more of like yeah he's more than just an unstoppable killing machine he's also a dick <laughs> he's yeah. like making this a thing so i i see the i see the issues of this movie but i i like it well enough i think it, yeah. it does what it needs to to work as far as this kind of story being told yeah uh, I have a question for you guys, just from the lore of Dracula, L-O-R-E. Um, what do you guys think of the way that they approach this Dracula, this this Nosferatu, where he kind of like echoes things? He kind of he's able to to if he cuts you, he kind of becomes a part of you. Um, and then he doesn't really speak at all. He kind of just like mimics some some language. What do you guys think of their take? I thought it was interesting enough. Um, maybe this is not the best comparison, but it's. I got a lot of Van Helsing vibes from this Dracula, mainly when, because this is just like, let's take the monster aspect from Van Helsing's Dracula and just make that the whole movie, except creepier. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was effective enough. When when I saw that they had cast like the, uh, Botet as the Dracula, as opposed to like, you know, a name actor or something like that, I'm like, okay, I know what we're doing here. And I like that it delivered on that as far as sure. it's like, it's an emphasis on the monster that is Dracula. Yeah, more as creature feature. As a, exactly, as opposed to being, you know, a debonair, you know, a Bella. It's less Bella Lugosi, more Max <laughs> Shrek, as I said in my uh, my written review. And it, uh-huh. I think it benefits as far as if we're telling a kind of closed off horror movie version of this. We don't need Dracula in a nice suit and like looking fancy. You just need him to be an asshole. <laughs> just kill him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How about you, Abe? I, I dug it. Like, I dug that. It was like, I he doesn't speak. He, he obviously doesn't speak English, but he's just mimicking what people have been saying, kind of like Predator, Predator style, yeah. where it's like turn around or like over Anytime. here. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this is actually kind of really creepy. Um, I didn't think about his dickish aspects until you were mentioning, but he is a dick in this movie. He's just yeah. like, <laughs> let me let me just like mess around with you. Like, maybe I am here. Maybe I'm not. And then also. You know, like, oh, uh, I am on this landing, you know, crow's nest landing, but let me just spirit you, like, and just attack you. Like, that's why it's it's like Predator. It's like the prey Predator, because that one was like a real asshole. (laughs) (laughs) He really is. But um, I really dug what they were doing here with this Dracula. I, I, you know, would I have liked to have seen him with Top Hat and Kane, which you kind of see a little bit of. Um, yeah, that's fine too. But I also just let Doug that this guy's more feral. He feels sure. like yeah. he's like still growing in essence and power because he has to make this voyage from Africa. Where I don't know where they're coming Transylvania, from. Transylvania, of course. Oh, are they? <laughs> yes, <laughs> from Transylvania to England, I was home like, of Dracula's. Is... Yeah, yeah, this is fair. This is fair. Um, when they go yeah, to the yeah, family reunion, yeah. they're like, "Yeah, let's get all the Dracula." When they go to the family reunion, back in Transylvania. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I dug that aspect of of him just being like more voiceless and a little bit more just like physical and, and, and present. Um, so yeah, I, um, as far as the cut, cause this, so this movie's rated R, uh, which I appreciated. I like yeah. that. It's, it's not R as far as like, it's not for comparison's sake, Renfield where that movie is 
deliciously over the top as far as the violence is concerned. How dare you use a pull quote? <laughs> <laughs> I think that that movie like has just pounds and pounds of blood and gore that, to really like go for it. This movie is like, there's a version of this that I'm sure could be edited to be PG-13. So I like that it's mm-hmm. it's not going so far to be like, we, we went and just soaked the force of blood or everything. But what I do like about the R rating is that it it there are certain things I don't think you can do when you have a you know when you're hindered by a rating. It's not just down to like the visuals on display, but I think it's the kind of the visceral nature of things. And so you see a couple of deaths that you may or may not necessarily see coming, mm-hmm. um, and it I think raises raises the stakes a bit as far as the, <laughs> even though you know like it's this movie like <laughs> there's next to no chance anyone's going to make it out of here alive i do think that the the threat of dracula feels increased because hey there are no limits here as far as what dracula is able to do i Mm -hmm. I think that i think the movie i think it hits that as well as it kind of needs to i mean they hit that like early on in his reveal which i won't say much but it's like that that one that one horror movie rule that you're not supposed to break they break it and like okay now anything could happen anyone could be gone at a moment's notice mm-hmm. yeah and it's yeah i i, I didn't know, it's like i probably should have seen this coming but it's like oh well, yeah it's, <laughs> it's, um, it's going there yeah i certainly like the the chances that it took um mostly because i think that i'm i'm familiar enough with the demeter to know what happens on it if you've seen like nosferatu or if you've seen any other uh dracula movies um, you're kind of familiar with this story. So where it goes when some of that, uh, with some of the, the character deaths or uh, who does or who doesn't make it, I, I, I really appreciate it because um, this is something that Aaron and I talk about all the time where it's like, hey, you know, I wish that movies would take some of these chances. And this one, it does take something. And it, and it actually doesn't, it, it circles back to, I'm thinking of like one specific character. I think maybe we all are, um, but it circles back to this, this character a couple times and i was like this is uh one of the most emotional parts of the movie but also like oh there's also a reveal it's like this is pretty this is this is kind of like spooky in a way and and yeah. i really like that they were just like no this is a movie about people dying uh about a a a faceless mon- or a monster that does not give a shit about who you are or where you come from it's like it's just it just wants to be fed um, and it, it finds food wherever it needs to. Exactly. Dracula's a lot of things, but he's not racist. Um the <laughs> or ageist. <laughs> or ageist. <laughs> yeah. Um speaking of the kind of the degree of the kills or whatnot, I this movie could have gone wilder. Like I'm not saying I need to pile up more, but there's like given the rules of vampires. I did like when the film got a little wild with what we're seeing as far as how people are getting dispatched to this film. And I, I could have used a little more of that. Like if you're making a two hour yeah. movie where you only have so many people, a lot of the kills are basically throat rips. And I'm like, cool, Roadhouse. That's great. Dracula's a fan. <laughs> about that. But I was thinking more time, MacGruber. He got it from Roadhouse. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> 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 but there's some other like versions of death that take place where i'm like this is pretty crazy this is pretty nuts watching this right now and mm-hmm. i that's the, that's the thing i was concerned with as far as what overdall could bring to this where it's like alex you mentioned like a gothic horror it clearly has that in mind it has the hammer horror aspect in mind and then it has like basically the confines of a studio film in mind so it's like it's sure. trying to balance all of those things which is not an easy thing to do I get why it's necessary to some degree to 
to, to make a commercial film or whatnot. But like if it led if it leaned more on either the gothic side or the hammer horror side, could have been pretty wild. Could have like yeah. even like I think I might have appreciated the movie more if it just like I'm not saying it needed to go over the top, but I think as far as adding a level of variety to what we're seeing, I think that would have that would have helped the film out. Yeah, I think that really would have helped out what you're describing as the dickishness of sure. Dracula. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, if, it, if it really came down to not, they're not all the same, but also he plays with it. Like, he's actually kind of, I, I made this remark in my head when I was watching this movie. He's kind of like, um, he's kind of like David Gordon, D- Gordon Green Halloween, Michael Myers-ish. Because he, like, fucks around with, like, the crew that way. Like, he throws a guy overboard. He's like, oh, he probably just got drunk and slipped, you know? Oh, just Michael Myers in general, because he's a dick, yeah. for sure. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The yeah. ultimate he, the, the ultimate Halloween prankster. Uh, yeah, Myers. I'm sorry, because he also does put on the glasses in the first one. He puts the glasses one. on. He hides yeah. bodies all over the place. Right, he's, right. He's a huge but, prankster. you know, in David Gordon Green, he's, like, putting flashlights and people's carved out heads. It's, like, really fucked up. Yeah, he's just, he's older, so he's, he's thought yeah. about this longer. But, you know, he, he ties up the <laughs> captain, you know, in this movie. It's like... This guy, this guy is taking time to yeah. like, do these things, you know, like, and so I think that you're right that there could have been maybe some more, uh, some more sequences that involve like Dracula kind of just showing that he he's such a a soulless ghoul, you know, uh-huh. um, which I, I it's fine what they did here, uh, but I, I can see where you're going. Um, what was I gonna say? I have a question for you guys. Go for it. Yeah. So I want to know what you guys think of uh, the character assembly here, because you have people from all walks of life, but they're all sailors. Um, and did you guys think that it kind of kind of got repetitive with like, well, it's picking off us one by one until finally Anna's like, you know, this is actually what's happening here. Um, so I'm curious uh, how you guys thought about that, because this runtime is like 158 or something like that, close to two hours. Um, so I'm curious around what you guys thought about just. The suspense aspects, but also just the way that that it handles how it dispatches characters. Alexander, um, I just I don't know I because again I felt the characters most of them to be pretty like cliche mm-hmm. and especially with uh, David. How do you, I know you guys have been saying his last name several times? Das, how do you say Das Malchium? Das Malchium. Das Malchium. Das Malchium. Okay, uh, like David Das Malchium just keeps like assuming the most obvious things to happen. Mm-hmm. And after a while, you're just kind of like, dude, you got to get a clue at some point that <laughs> something's wrong. Like yeah. your crew just doesn't just disappear, especially when you have the doctor pointing out several key elements uh, that makes these disappearances suspicious. So, I uh, mean, I, I hear you and I don't disagree at the same time though. It's like, you, especially in 1897, I don't think your mind's going like, Probably a vampire. Like, I, just, I don't know. <laughs> True, but at the very least, you even if you're not thinking vampire, if you're not thinking of anything supernatural, you mm-hmm. at the very least think there's another stowaway on here that's sure. killing people. Uh, let's maybe look into this. Let's just not assume that some of our crew just got drunk and fell off right, overboard. Right, right. I, I agree. I would take it to the point of, what are they doing during the day? Like this thing's here. Like especially once I they, thought the same thing. <laughs> once they figure out this thing's around, like you see a brief shot of Clemens like opening crates, but it's like there can't be that many crates. Like you got twelve hours, dude. Like you gotta you can't, you can't not find this thing. Like yeah. it's gotta be somewhere. I, I think that's kind of it's, one. Of the it's probably that not under crates. Like it's gotta be on one of the tops somewhere. Sure, sure. Like, yeah. That narrows it down. Yeah, I think that that's one thing that sort of hinders if you were to if you were to go into like sort of the nitpicks is like. You know, they've mentioned that this voyage that some somebody gets off and then they're like, well, there's still like 
15 more days uh, at sea and then seven days and then four days. Like, and like what Aaron mentioned, there's like 12 hours of sunlight. You're like in the ocean. Like, what's happening here? Oh, that's so, true. Yeah. Like, I think the point where the Clemens, uh, Corey Hawkins, and, and Anna, um, they, they finally decide on their plan. I'm like, you guys probably should have thought about this before because the captain has mentioned a couple times, like, we're going to search the entire ship. They do this two times in the movie. It's like, yeah, maybe you guys should have opened up the, the crates beforehand too. So Yeah, I feel like the, the cargo hold is like, that. we should be there first. Right, like, right. you know what's never on this ship? Various forms of cargo because we ship cargo all over the place. Maybe that's where we should check <laughs> the thing that constantly changes on the ship. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, and then the other thing I had for you guys, which was, uh, I actually really like the way that this is directed from the standpoint of, um, how Dracula moves and the way that the camera moves. So specifically, like there's like one, there's one sequence I'm thinking about, which, um, I think is very clever in a director standpoint of, um, uh, there's like somebody hiding in an office and then it shows Dracula's legs, but then the camera moves up, and it's like Dracula's just gone. Like, and the camera actually moves in a way that allows you to kind of go in a three sixty way too. Mm. Um, so I really like the way that that it kind of helps to showcase that. No, this guy is a very fluid monster. He's not just like it. It, it also doesn't vary. It, it takes you it takes away some expectations of how something would appear for you. So I, I dug that aspect of of this movie. I'm curious. I think as a saying when it's going purely for like thrills and whatnot, I'm not going to say the movie's terrifyingly scary or what have you, but I do think the, I think the mechanics here to get you in the zone of, Hey, there's a monster. We need to be aware of it. I think that stuff works really well. Yeah. Like say what you will about like maybe some of the pacing and things that don't involve Dracula. I think the horror focus sequences do a good job. And that's why ultimately I like this movie. I think it's delivering the stuff that I want out of a Mm -hmm. Demeter movie. Mm -hmm. And then, Oh yeah, go ahead, Alexander. No, I was just agreeing. Yeah. Um, kind of like sort of more my, my tail end questions here is like, how does this hold up with other Dracula movies in your view? Uh, I, there's been a ton. There's probably been at least like 35 or something like that movies. Not to say that you should rank it, but more just like, hey, is this like middle of the pack? Is this like one of the better ones? I'm just thinking. I, I, because I, I really like the Dracula itself in here. I like the depiction of this yeah, yeah, yeah. version of Dracula. So like that, I don't know how to rank that, but I'd say that's a that's, no, you know no. that's a that's a stronger version that but that I don't know because I, I, I like Nick Cage's Dracula, a movie that I thought was yeah, fine, but I but I when he was around, the certainly move the movie certainly increased in stature for me, right? Uh, and given that we just talked about Blade a lot this week, Blade Trinity has the worst Dracula, so it's certainly a step up from that movie. Just got to rip Ryan Reynolds. Um, so yeah, no, I, I like this Dracula quite a bit. I, I mm-hmm. as far as Here's a here's a way to depict the monster that we I don't think we've seen in a while outside of like spoofing Nosferatu and what we do in the shadows. So sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, for me, it's po- it's kind of pointless to say that it's not as good as like Belgosi's Dracula, mm-hmm. but it is it is as Aaron said, it is certainly a different take on the character where it's more the monster than this suave uh, creature that hides among us. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh, it Good it definitely point. it's definitely like got the kills that you want to see, yeah? yeah. And it's I think it did a much better. I, I'll bring up Van Helsing again. I'll I think it did a much better job at this like monstrous vampire creature than Van Helsing ever did. Mm-hmm. Actually, that that gives me another question, which is: ha- Has there been a movie that has depicted a a Nosferatu? changeling form that has moved this quickly 
guys move this quick that so like that's able to like do lightning flashes of, of speed kind of thing because you know nosferatu he's like he's kind of a slow paced and movie that's a more measured movie yeah it's not yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but i mean like you know i i've seen dracula move this quickly when he's fully formed and fully at, at full health like renfield style um but i don't know if i've i've seen like you know the where he's kind of just like still gaining strength um I don't think like so. Shadow of the Vampire style, where it's like I think that they're all like slow. I mean, those are all based on different. I'm trying. I'm trying to gather what your question is. Like, have you have we seen basically a like this this version of Dracula is the taller, lankier, sure Nosferatu style, but he moves very quickly. Has there been have there been other versions of this same tall, lanky that has moved this quickly? Because well, as far okay, so as far as Dracula goes, because there's certainly been vampires that have done that. We've seen that a lot as far as super yeah, yeah, speed yeah. or what have you. As far as Dracula's go, like I don't know that Luke Evans movie, Dracula Untold. No, no, turns, no, no. But I'm talking about like bats and shit. Like no, no, but Ooh. but like this version is like still like unfinished. Like it's hard for me to describe. But if you think about Nosferatu, like the 1922 20, version. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where he's like slow, slow moving. Like he he looks like he's just he dinner comes to him kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you think of it like is that what you're saying? Like Luke Evans or even like Gary Oldman. Like those are like fully formed Draculas, where he's like the Prince of Darkness kind of thing, and he's like you know very suave and debonair, and then he's able to like still kill you. But he you know that he's so, got like super speed. So you're saying like in a way that this could be a Dracula origin story. Um, I guess more of like a question of just like his capabilities. Well, uh, I, I'll I'll, I'll throw this in there. Like Nosferatu, that's I I hear what you're saying. Nosferatu, like he's not uh, he's not not fully formed. Like he's it's just a different totally totally. It's yeah. just a different look for the character. It's he's still yeah. like he's at full strength in that movie. Yeah, yeah. And this one is at full strength. So it, but oh, is he? Okay. He's, yeah, he's just you know he's he's his his cruise isn't meant for for um <laughs> lounging you know he's not there to wear the suit he's there to be like i gotta go on a cruise i'm gonna have to eat some people on the way like just also i guess it's packed away you know so. yeah it's, it's in his other crate <laughs> where he has his his suit his monocle his cane his top hat uh, that's in one of the other crates i mean you yeah. saw at the beginning they brought like what like four crates down at least mountains. four yeah, yeah yeah he had a shit ton of luggage he's like princess vespa in space balls he had all this match luggage <laughs> Uh, so i mean to answer your question like we know we don't we don't generally see like the monster version of dracula as the primary thing that we see throughout the movie that's not a very frequent thing to to witness yeah like like, alexander you keep mentioning van helsing richard roxborough i believe he like he plays like the blob dracula but he does like have a (laughs) a monster face that he puts on every now and again but he's still like blob dracula he still does that (laughs) like that's still his thing yeah So yeah, I mean, I I can't speak for some of like the other smaller films that have come out recently sure, sure, sure. that I just yeah. don't think of. You know, there's like I don't know, like Arge- yeah. Argento's Dracula or whatever the hell. Uh, no worries, yeah. But I, I I guess I just appreciated that this guy had super speed even at in his like baldy Dracula look phase. Yeah, because so. that's like that's his only agenda. His only agenda is I need to eat. <laughs> totally, yeah. Which I dug. So, um, what else? Um, I mean, we got a couple. So, as you mentioned, Alexander, we had a couple of versions of Dracula just this year alone. Um, with uh, who do you other two with well, with well, Renfield in this one. And yeah, I was trying to remember okay. if that Hotel Transylvania movie came out this year or last year. <laughs> it's like, oh, I yeah, think that was straight to straight to Amazon, Prime, straight to Amazon. It? Yeah, yeah, it was another was, hotel. Wait, is this would this be four? That was the fourth one, though. yeah, without Adam Sandler. Though. That, yeah, well, ah. yeah, that was I believe that was last year it came out, yeah, it was, so. because it was going to be in our summer gamble and then they moved it to directive to directive right. prime. 
Uh, yeah, it was last year. Okay. Um, but do we need more Draculas or do we need other versions? Of course. Why not? Especially during the holiday season or as fall coming on board. Go on. As, as fall is coming, give me more Draculas. You know, like I love to see Dracula. He's one of the staples of the monster universe. I mean, if only they didn't cancel Karen Kusama's Dracula film. Mm. Has that been canceled? It was canceled like weeks before it was uh, going to start filming last uh, last year. And okay. it was it was supposed to be. I think it was uh it was announced in the wake of the Invisible Man success because Blumhouse yeah, yeah, was yeah. developing it. Oh, yeah, I remember the story. Yeah, but because I, I knew I knew that was happening. Yeah, I did. I forgot why it was camp. But yeah, no, I get that now. Yeah, and then of oh, course there was the Dark Universe, which uh, <laughs> and, like, who, who the, was going to play Dracula in that one? Well, the big rumor was that Universal was just throwing money at Leo to make to get him to be Dracula. DiCaprio. Yeah. Oh, now there was I... never any confirmation that he said yes or anything, but that was the yeah, yeah. the big thing was like Universal's just throwing money out at just to just to try to convince him to do this role. Yeah. You know, I'd say I'd say that's a movie I'd want to see, but considering how the mummy turned out, uh, uh not no, thank you. Yeah. Uh-huh. I would agree. <laughs> if so... only if only they got him in that photo shoot. Huh? I mean, the, it's the, the thing is, like, they, they had that logo, and I'm watching this movie, it's like, this would be a perfect time to use that logo. <laughs> like, I wish they just... Oh, that would have been cool. I wish, yeah. like, even though, like, if it's... It, it, instead of just trying to make it a thing, they just trotted that out every now and then. Just, who, like, whenever, who... whenever like, um a Saw movie comes out, I wish they tried out, like, the old Lionsgate logo. Just be like, remember this? Yeah. Remember that? <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't hurt them. Right, it doesn't hurt Universal to be like this is a dark universe movie. Yeah, uh, but they'll keep, people be like, oh, audiences are confused. Why is it a yeah, dark universe? I guess. But yeah, it's a cool yes. logo. <laughs> I think it's a stupid it is idea, cool logo. But it's a cool logo. Yeah, what they like, did with it in the Mummy movie is cool. Where it's like Universal, like surprise, it's a dark universe. That's that's a cool idea. I, you know, the the concept of we're making a franchise, like it or not, that was that was bad. That was a bad right. idea. <laughs> but just right. the logo, that was fun. <laughs> Anything else? Huh? Do you like the score, Barry McCreary's score for this movie? It was good. Um, I can't remember it, but I'm sure that uh, I would agree with Alexander. Probably. The, I mean, the it was cred- one, the it, credits got. I like the credit music. Sure, same sure. here. I mean, it's yeah. one of those. It's one of those like good in the moment scores, but yeah, I can't recall anything like mm-hmm. off the top of my head. It's very big, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, and Alexander, you know, I mean, he did King of the Monsters. So it's like, yeah, I, he what well, he knows how to do like a monster movie and like go for it. Yeah. Um. All right. Well. But don't have anything else to say about the last wedge of the meter. When should people go and see this movie? Alexander, when should people see this movie? I would wait for I would wait to rent it on okay. uh like if it comes because I think it it always seems like movies get made available to rent on YouTube or Vudu earlier before they yeah. get sent to their streaming yeah, yeah. services. Cause it's it's good enough. And I think maybe watching this at home. Yeah especially with Halloween coming up may be the best way to see it because huh? you're not, you're not going too far out of your way. If you've heard bad things about it, you might go into this uh, at home, watch it and go, Hey, that was actually pretty cool. Hey, that was you. I'd say matinee dollar theater. Um, okay. I, I think some of the dialogue does hold me back. And again, some of just the way that they are sort of doing a lot of exposition during it. And there's not a whole lot of range, um, but I liked that there were families that came to see this in my screening and the kids got scared. Uh, <laughs> the parents had to actively be like, it's okay, you know? It's especially just a Dracula. Like, yeah, but especially like during like one sequence that I think we all kind of like skirted around. The opening I, credits. Yeah, but I, I dug that that people kind of like got squeamish in their seats uh, in this. So it was fun okay. to watch. 
Well, cool. Yeah, I, I would say watch the 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 first 30 minutes of Bram Stoker's Dracula from Francis Gord Coppola. Pause uh, the movie. Go to a matinee. See this movie. <laughs> come and back, then watch the rest. Come back home and watch the rest of Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> and then you oh, watch okay. Dracula Untold, of course. And then watch the Simpsons episode. <laughs> that movie's awful. Um, yes, yeah, yeah, watch the Simpsons episode. <laughs> but no, I, I, I enjoyed this movie well enough. I would say, yeah, I, I think like, yeah, with Halloween, Halloween coming around the corner, I think this would be a good like, hey, let's have a vampire marathon and include this and that. I think that would yeah. work quite well for you. But yeah, I... I think we're all kind of fairly in agreement here. Like the movie, I think works for the most parts, even if it has some holdups. Uh, you know, holding. Yeah, when it works, it works. When it doesn't work, you're just like, okay, well, let's keep let's keep it moving. At least we're still on this fun ship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's limbo night. Doom ship. <laughs> yep, it's cer- certainly better than the last movie that came out with a creature attacking people in the ocean. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, we've reviewed the last voyage of the meter. Now it's time for Abe. What uh, what time is it over here? Might be time for a couple games here. Oh, you got er- eager. I got over here. <laughs> Let it know. In fact, that's actually the noise that plays when when Dracula opens up his crate. Nobody <laughs> listened to it though. They're only listening for like thumps on the ship. But it's like clearly he's waking up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, I've got a couple games for you guys this week. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's called You Just Got Letterboxed. What? Uh, okay. What this, is this first is uh this first game is essentially just uh nobody has to buzz in. You guys both get a chance. But I looked at both of your letterboxes. Oh boy. And I'd like to know, uh Alexander, because you're the guest, how many horror films has Aaron reviewed uh under letterbox? Reviewed? Yes, yeah. So under letterbox, you can choose a genre and you can select a specific of horror. And it'll tell you the number of movies that somebody has reviewed. So, so like, so like, written something for, or I guess maybe just seen. I don't know. I don't know how they they rated it, but essentially, when I went under Letterbox and I chose horror specifically, it gives me a number that Aaron has seen or reviewed. Okay, so I assume that'd be like seen, like logged. Sure, logged. The captain's. Let's say logged. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Alexander, how many do you think Aaron has logged? Do I think he's logged? I'm. I'm just going to take a wild stab in the dark and say 123. One, two, three. Okay. Aaron, how many do you think you've logged? Jesus. I'd assume higher. So I don't know. Uh, 250. 250. Okay. Uh, the answer is 830. You're fucking wow. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were to go to Aaron's letterbox and choose horror as a genre, it'll give you 830 results. <laughs> Uh, the next question for Alexander. Oh my God, Alexander! How many horror films do you think that you've logged? I I feel like since Aaron's was so high, I'm gonna have to go higher, but not that high. Okay. Uh, uh, I'll just say like three seventy five. Three seventy five. Aaron, how many do you think Alexander has logged for genre horror? Um, four twenty five. Four, two, five. The answer is 216. So, Alexander, you get that one. So, 216 okay. films that you that fit under the horror genre, uh, the genre of horror that you've logged under the letterbox. And Aaron, I was very surprised. 830 is, is quite a number. So, good, kudos. <laughs> uh, so, that was a warm up game. The next game here is on a scale of letterbox edition. So, that's. Oh, uh, boy. This is where I will give you guys a title of a Dracula movie. Dracula could be the main character. It could be a character in the movie. But, um, could be a cheeky sidekick. Me, <laughs> cheeky sidekick, yeah. <laughs> you can tell me on a scale of letterbox, which is 0 to 5, uh, with a decimal point, so, you know, 0.0. 0. Um, can you tell me what the 
the community score is for these movies. And Alexander, right. because you are the guest, you get to go first. So Dracula in 1931, what do you think the score is for Dracula 1931? Uh, I'm going to guess maybe like a, I'm going to probably guess a 3.9 because I know there's a lot of people like, especially like in my generation or in the YouTube movie review community, they don't really look at that many classic horror movies from way back then. That's mm-hmm. just me. Okay. I'd rake it higher, but community wise, I'd say 3.9. 3.9. What about you, Aaron? So to, to back up, Alexander, just for some context, Abe knows that I'm like good at other sites. So like, like that, this is the latest version of this. <laughs> like I'm yeah, good okay. at IMDb scores. I'm good at Rotten Tomatoes. Like so, like I, I like this. New... You get it. You're getting better at, at Metacritic. This this new this new jump here. Okay, so Dracula 31, one to five. Um, you're saying 3.9. I'm gonna go. I'll go a little higher. I'll say 4.2. 4.2. You should have gotten lower because it's 3.5. So All I was right. going to use that point. Are uh, they, the next one. It, uh-huh. Because it's a letter, I'm not exactly sure. Is it all Is it all like point fives and zeros or are there still like numbers in between? There's numbers in between. So you could okay. go to like 3.1, 3.2. Just want to be sure. Okay, yeah. got it. The next one here, Aaron, you get to go first. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. I am going to... Hmm, I am going to like that movie but what's the letterbox community like i'll say 3.8 3.8 alexander i'll say uh 3.1 3.1 the answer is 3.6 so alexander you get that one what wait wait wait. i'm sorry 3.8. 3.8. Yeah. no <laughs> yeah, no i think aaron got aaron it. you get that one yeah it's 0.2 off yeah my bad i even have like the calculator in here too okay <laughs> 3.2 my bad my bad my bad so you guys are tied one to one all right. Uh, the next one here, Alexander, you get to go first. Nosferatu, nineteen twenty-two. Uh, I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess three point five again. Three point five. Aaron, been a lot of admiration into the people that review on Letterbox. I forget there's that <laughs> troll crowd also. Um, let's see. <laughs> Probably less so than the IMDb crowd, right? Well, oh, the for, tro- definitely for sure. Less than the, the tro- IMDb crowd. Well, also the troll ca- crowd, but also for the sake of a nineteen twenty-two film. Young people that have not seen it, probably. Sure. They also haven't rated it. <laughs> they haven't seen it. Or or, may, or not so much like it's like, ew, this is an old black and white movie with no sound. No, like one, 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 one. <laughs> <laughs> they should listen to our review. It's very good. So I don't watch that. We'll look at these scores as often. Let's see. I'll, yeah. I'm still going to lean higher. I'll sit. Okay. I'll, 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 hmm. I'll go three Maybe point. In the fours? No, I'll go 3.8 again. 3.8. The answer is 3.9. Aaron, you get that. Point. All right. Mm. All right. Mm. Okay. Respect. Okay. Murnau, yeah. big fan with the kids. Yeah. Uh, the next one here, Aaron, you get to go first. Uh-huh. Dracula, dead and loving it. Oh, boy. The Mel Brooks movie. <sighs> well, my score is not that high. I know that. Um, uh, I, I will say 2.2. Two point two, uh, Alexander. I'll say three point three. Three point three, Alexander. You should have gone lower. It's actually two point eight. Mm. Uh, Aaron, you are point six away from that. Okay. Alexander, the next one here. Dracula two thousand. God. <laughs> uh, I will say, I'll say a solid two. Two point zero, Aaron. 
it has a kick-ass new metal soundtrack i'll tell you that much right now um let's see dracula 2000 wes craven presents starring america's sweetheart danny masterson dracula 2000 oh my gosh um could it be higher than two like does it have fans you said 2.0 on the dot. That's pretty good. 2.0 on the dot, yeah. I'm just working this out in my head. <sighs> Do things go that low? I'll still go <laughs> lower. I'll just try it. 1.7. 1. 1.7. 1. 7. You should have gone higher. It's 2.3. So, Alexander, you get that point. Mm. Okay. It's Gerard Butler fans. Yeah. Huh. That next one Wait, here. he's in that movie? He's Dracula. Certainly is. Yeah. <laughs> Gerard Butler's Dracula? He's been Dracula. He's been the Phantom of the Opera. He's yeah. been it all. He's, he's the Monster Universe. Make him he's a werewolf. The... He's hairy. <laughs> the Wolf hell? The remake. Uh, cameo from Jack Nicholson. Yes, he's Dracula. It's it's yeah. it's not good. <laughs> he's not wow. a good Dracula. Well, 2.3. Some people liked it. And he's like, see, he's, he's before 300, so he's skinny. He's skinny Butler. Mm. Skinny Butler. Yeah. Uh, the next one here, and you get to go first. Uh, Dracula 3D, a.k.a. Argento's Dracula. Oh, that movie's not very good. It's a sexy movie, apparently. Jeez, um, 2.1. 2.1. Alexander? I'm going to take a stab in the dark because I'm not familiar with this. Uh, 1.9. 1.9. The answer is 1.8 wow wow okay. good work buddy uh alexander you gotta go first to the next one shadow of the vampire this is of course the remake of the nosferatu but expanded I well guess? no it's no it's the, it's the movie about the making of nosferatu oh, sorry yeah. yeah shadow of the vampire alexander uh i'll say 3.4 3.4 aaron what do you think Oh, yeah. My mom was a huge fan of this film. I will say 3.7. 3.7. Man, the answer is 3.5, and Alexander is 0.1 away, so he gets that point. Mm. Good work there. Thank you. Uh, Aaron, you got to go first. Dracula has risen from the grave. 1968, Christopher Lee Dracula. Yeah, okay. Uh, 3.6. 3.6. Alexander, what do you think? I'll say uh, 4.1. 4.1. Should have gone lower. The answer is 3.2. Aaron, you get that point. All right. Uh, the next one here. Uh, Alexander, you get it first. Dracula, 1979. Frank Langella Dracula. Oh, the Langella Dracula. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'll be on the safe side. Say 3.5. 3.5. Aaron, what do you think? Probably good on. Um, I... I guess we'll just go slightly under. I'll say 3.4. Answer is 3.3. So, Aaron, you get that one. Okay. Yeah, went slightly lower there. Uh, A few more here. Right now, you guys are actually... Aaron's ahead by one, but um, Mm. by four. Uh, Alexander, Hotel Transylvania, speaking of. (laughs) Uh, The first one, the first one. Okay. I'll say... I'll say a solid... uh, uh, No, not solid. I'll say... I'll say four. Mm, oh, I don't. I don't know. Uh, I'll go three point five again. Three point five. Okay. Three point two. Three point two. 
man, those crowds over at uh, at uh, Letterbox are just not very family friendly. It is exactly who's going to, but I would have thought that they'd be more family friendly too. But you know, I guess that they're all just real movie nerds over there. Wait, what was the answer? Three point two, 2 exactly. on the dot. Yeah, oh so wow, Aaron got it exactly. Because that's the one where I could see like most people that like it are still just like three. Like I don't think anyone's like going I overboard guess. for Oto. Because I because <laughs> I know it got it like. Overall, all things considered, it got mixed reviews, but yeah. I've met a lot mm-hmm. of people that really dug that first one. Yeah. On on MDB, I'm sure it'd be like seven point something. Uh the next sure. one here, Alexander, because you went first, Aaron. So it's you it's Blackula. Blackula. Yes. Okay. Blackula. Blackula. Hmm. Scream back to the scream is better. Uh let's see. I'll say three point one. 3.1. And what about you, Alexander? I'll throw a bone to the hipster crowd and say 3.7. 3.7. Aaron, you might have knocked this one out of the park here and figured out their strategy. It's exactly 3.1. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the last one here, Nosferatu, The Vampire 1979, Werner Herzog's. Mm. Alexander, what do you think this movie is rated over at Letterboxd? Uh, probably 2.8. 2.8. What about you, Aaron? Uh, this remake rules. <laughs> On this, uh, I will give it whatever. 3.7. 3.7. The answer is 3.9. So, Aaron, you get that point. Okay. Hmm. So that uh, is with a, that, that, that is Aaron, a you're right there at the end with uh, four in a consecutive in a row. So, you win this week's games eight to four. I, I slowly figured it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I've got to use it. Now I've got to go to a different rating system. That's... That was good. No, that was that was fun. Good job, Alexander. Thank you. You, you got on the board several times. It means you get to come back to the show, of course. So that's always good. <laughs> oh yay! Yes. There's pl- plenty of guests that have, that didn't make it to the board. And they don't get. This to is true. Back, yeah. So. But we still we still invite them back. <laughs> I I erased them from my list. Oh okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean I mean when God when Godzilla minus one comes out, I might win Godzilla. this game. Oh my God! Yeah. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> Don't worry. Godzilla minus one is coming. And yes, we'll, we'll we'll be talking about that movie. Um, all right. Well, thanks for that. Thanks for those games, Abe. Yeah, you're welcome. Let's get us about enough feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where I go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast. We ask a number of questions to the listeners, and they give us some answers. And then this week, we got a number of questions from the listeners. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Incredible. Uh, Alexander, feel free to throw in any answers you might have as we go through these. Yeah, All right. The first question here is, what are some great thrillers set in close quarters with no easy exit? Michael Lee, friend of the show, has Alien first comes to mind. Justin Weatherby has Jaws? I mean, he says they're going to need a bigger boat. Oh, Air Force One as well. Todd Lee writes, Alien and Cube. Irene Johnson has Panic Room. That's a good answer. Chris Cleveland has Green Room. Another good answer. Chris Hill has The Relic. And lastly, Philip Heard has Rear Window. What do you guys think about some close quarter thrillers? Yeah, I was I, before you the last one. I was going to say Rear Window, mm-hmm. considering that Jimmy Stewart's in a wheelchair that whole movie, and he doesn't have that much mobility to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to think of some others that have not been mentioned because those are some really good answers. Like a- Aliens, probably the most obvious one because of the in space, no one can hear you scream tagline. Yeah, it's a good tagline. Um, I would I would even throw in aliens because characters are stuck on uh, LV-427 mm-hmm. with aliens like surrounding them all over the place. Uh, and I think I think the general like it's people seem to often forget that aliens is just as much a thriller horror movie as it is an action film. 
yeah, yeah. Like to, people like to kind of promote it as more of an act because it is more of an action but i mean yes yeah. it's still it's still very much a shit this is scary acid yeah. monsters coming at me <laughs> yeah um the lighthouse um you like me lobster the descent uh 10 cloverfield lane okay. oh that's a good one um i like phone booth quite a bit um who's the voice in that one Kiefer. Kiefer. yeah okay and who's in the Friedkin movie, actually. There you go. Um, I would throw in, um, even though it's, I know it's not technically a good movie, I'd throw in Deep Blue Sea. That's the, it's, they're it's on the, good. yeah, they're on that, that, uh, science ship. It's, science ship. A, it's underwater. A yeah. It's a, it's a good movie. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 for me, it's more of a good, bad movie. Yeah. And it's like, it's more of a good, bad movie for me, but it does have some effectively, chilling moments throughout huh? it, it does the job yeah um yeah 127 hours that's the last one i was thinking of uh why what happens in that movie uh, this guy he like stumbles drops his phone oh okay all right yeah that's also, a also he got gets it. like yeah there's a rock in there yeah yeah okay oh yeah. Com- in a shoe got it in a shoe yeah exactly what are some notable films involving tombs or graves Ooh. chris right chris quickly does shallow grave uh, Boyle's first movie. Speaking of 127 hours, Danny Boyle's first movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Mendes has The Mummy and The Crow. And Philip ha- Philip Heard has Still Walking. Hmm. Tombs now, or Graves. Now, is this just movies that have tombs in them? Yeah. I, I mean, I, right, I'll... I I purposely don't define these too much, so it's like whatever <laughs> you want it to be. Okay. I'll, th- I'll throw in uh, Jason Lives. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah that's a, that, yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> mm-hmm. huh. uh, I'm gonna say the thriller m- music video, um, and then nice. also uh, also Poltergeist when like the basement is flooding and she just sees all those skeletons coming out. It's well, like, I mean, oh, I, this is gross. The, the house is built on a new barrel ground. I <laughs> know it's not great. You move the bodies. You should have fucking just moved out of the house, coach. I mean, he would have moved out of the. Had, but their daughter was stuck in a TV. They can't just move. This is actually a good point. They do leave the house. It's just like, well, the house leaves them after they leave. <laughs> well, you got a girl on a TV. You can't just leave. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Carol Ann. Um, all right. What's the next question? All right. The next question here is, what are some memorable crews, as in sets of people working abroad a ship, uh, aboard a ship, or other specific places of employment? So, you know, good, cool crews that you like for movies. Chris Cleland has the research team in The Thing and the Colonial Marines, including Newt in Aliens. They put her in and charge. <laughs> Philip Heard has Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, it's a good crew. But you guys, people that are working aboard ships or other specific places. Huh. Let's see. Hmm. I mean, Armageddon. Well, he's the, my, my question said memorable. Well, I guess it's memorable. Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't say good. They so. saved yeah, America. Yeah, does it, yeah, it doesn't have Just America. You're right, Abe. They just saved Only America. Only America. Paris got destroyed, and so they saved. <laughs> we win, Gracie. They say they saved America, and in the process, French, uh, the Paris has is in the exact same time, uh, time zone as the United States. Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. Uh, Hooper, Brody, and, um, and, um, Quint. And Quint, thank you. And Quint from Jaws. Yeah. There's a crew. I think he's called Squint. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Jaws and Alien are the two that come to mind immediately. Sure. Yeah, crews working together. Yeah, makes sense. All right. What are some great films set aboard old wooden ships? Oh. Justin uh, Wright, just, Justin Weatherby has Pirates of the Caribbean. Christopher Estrada has The Goat, Master and Commander, a far side of the world. 
Mm. Yancey Burns, friend of the show, has the 30s, 60s, and 80s versions of Mutiny on the Bounty are all worthwhile. Philip Hurd has Cloud Atlas. Chris Cleland has also second, I second to Master and Commander. Mm. Great folks uh, have old wooden ships. I'll, th- I'll throw in the the Disney Peter Pan. Okay. There you go. Uh, yeah. The 1953 one. Yeah, yeah. Or even I'll even you know what I'll I'll also say the uh, the 2003 film. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that one. Same. Um, let's see, old wooden ship movies that haven't been mentioned. Hmm. What are some old wooden ship movies that haven't been? I'm mentioned? trying to think of like a funny answer, but I discovered it. I can't think of like modern ships. It's like this yeah, I can't think of like you know, but steel ships. Like I'm thinking no, like that route, that Redford movie was all is lost. It's like well, that's not like an old wooden no, ship. No, it's not a wooden ship. And like Poseidon yeah. Adventure isn't like an old. That's a cruise liner. <laughs> it's not a thing yeah. at all. Right, old wooden ships. Well, they named a lot of them. Well, because the Master, Master Commander is like my default answer. Yeah, right? exactly. So that's yeah. gonna be that's what I'm going with. What, what is like the opening uh, crawl? Like the oceans have become battlefields or something like that. Yeah. Have you seen the the Demeter one though that came out? The Demeter one? Yeah, the yeah, it's like oceans are strewn with Draculas. <laughs> you haven't seen that? That that you've seen that? that no. Yeah, they just took the Master Commander thing and like replaced that the bottom and now the oceans are strewn with Draculas. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Wow. They, they clearly didn't think of their plan here, guys. Yeah. Oh, find it. Let's see if I can find it. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let's well, go. move on to the next question here. Who are the most vicious versions of Dracula on film? Christopher Hill. Hill Christopher Hill writes. Bram Stoker's Dracula, as in the one with Francis Ford Coppola. Dracula 2000 with Jared, uh, Jared Butler. <sighs> Dracula Untold with Luke Evans. Chris Cleland writes, I think it has to be Nosferatu. Brandon Peters on the show has the Count from Sesame Street's Follow That Bird. <laughs> Vicious Draculas on film. I mean, Nick Cage's Dracula from Renfield was pretty vicious. Killed all it- those innocent people at the AA meeting. Yeah. Well, also like him, just abusing Renfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not great. Not great. Um, I think of ones that have already not that have already been mentioned, mm. but I can't think of any. So I mean, yeah, like like um, what's his face? I mean, Nosferatu does do a pretty pretty good job of killing things. Yeah, pretty good. Um, yeah, uh, and yeah, Nick Cage one does uh, does the job. Yeah. All right. Next question we have here. What are some notable villains featuring an un- sorry? What are some notable films featuring an unstoppable villain? Chris Cleveland has The Thing and Evil Dead. Tower Smith writes Chinatown, The Blob, The Terminator, and No Clinch for Old Men. Those are wow. excellent answers. Yeah. <laughs> um, notable films featuring an unstoppable villain. Hmm. Unstoppable Predator. Predator? That's a good one. Yeah. But they soon find out if it bleeds, we can kill it. Yes, but they have to go, but they go through all but one of their squad in order to get that thing to die. This is a good point. And even, so, and even yeah. then, the predator's the one that kills himself. Yeah, he gets the last laugh. I mean, Arnold had it in the bag, though. Let's be honest. <laughs> he, was, he was marketed down his old spreadsheet. Yep, another one. Yeah, if he had only stomped out Predator's face before he decided to blow it. He, was, he had a rock in his hand, he was about to kill a crocket. Yeah, and he was just like, what's happening here? And then he's like, oh, nuclear bomb. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Though? Maybe you would have got a leg sweep it and got up. It would have been hard because then, you know, the people from that village would have been like, what the fuck is that shit? <laughs> but instead, they're just like vaporized. Danny Glover, though, no question. He killed a predator. That's true. I mean, no, yeah, he, he he chopped his bomb hand off, so he couldn't even do it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Did he, did he chop it up before he could really he, arm it? 
he well, it was arming and it was counting down, and then he slightly Danny Glover's like, I'm not too old for this shit. He realized what was yeah. going on. He got he got the predator blade out and slashed the. But I don't remember the if the explosion goes off. Right? No, it doesn't because he slashed he slashed the bomb. No. You can't just set a bomb off like that in the in L.A. and not have anything happen. Right. Yeah. You know, the the explosion at the end with like the ship takes off and it's like because the movie has I guess the movie's like well we still need an explosion it's like well if the ship takes off it could have a big jet going out that way (laughs) right (laughs) out of one of those infamous L.A. tunnels. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Hear more about this in our Predator Two commentary we recorded (laughs) a couple years ago. What are we talking about? Ensemble villains. Ensemble of villains. <laughs> I think the Terminator would have been my go-to as well. Yeah. Anti one thousand. Uh, yeah, that's generally. Yeah. I remember. I I always remember like my young self looking at T two, being like, "How do you stop this guy? Like, it's crazy. Keeps you up at night. <laughs> it's liquid metal. That's insane." And then the movie's like, "This is how." I was like, "Oh, thanks, movie. That's pretty good." Yeah. Exactly. Uh, the last question here before we get to questions for us are: Who are some memorable figures that hide in the shadows? Brian E. White, friend of the show, has Mister Hanky. Uh, Chris Cleveland writes The Crow, and Philip Hurt has The Fawn in Pan's Labyrinth. Figures that hide in the shadows. I'm going to add in The Babadook. Yeah. Um, well, The Descent comes up again in my mind here. Yeah, that's right. They, I mean, they, they only live in like the darkness. Pitch black. Um... As in the movie, not emphasizing your point that they only live in the darkness. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the movie pitch black. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it comes to mind immediately. I'm trying to avoid so many of the go-to answers sure, yeah i think also the the monster the the ghost in lights out oh yeah yeah now are we talking Lightsy. yeah <laughs> what were you gonna ask alexander i forgot okay <laughs> my my name for the lights out monster is Lightsy. too good <laughs> yeah. It's dumb. It could be on your mind. Who knows? It's so dumb. Um, all right. Well, let's let's get to some questions we got for this week coming our way. His first one's from friend of the show, Michael Lee. He asks, of all the cinematic crews that are out there, i.e. Alien franchise, the thing, last voyage of the meter, etc., which is the most competent? Mm, that's a good, good question. question. Yeah. Which one got the job done? Um I mean Harry Stamper. <laughs> In Armageddon. No, uh, he lists the thing here. I actually like how everybody is very present in the thing. So everybody is aware that something's going on, and everyone's also very, like, uh, cabin feverish as to, like, well, I don't want to get killed, so I've got to lock everybody else out. And then they they actually come up with a plan, and then that plan kind of goes awry because the monster eats... (laughs) The, the doctor's arms off kind of thing so yeah and then also the end the ending where uh it's child's and mccreary right it's been a while since yes. i've seen the thing McCre- yeah, McCready, where, yeah yeah mccready yeah uh where they both like they don't trust each other so they're just willing to like stay out there until both of them die because right. the last thing they can do is if one of them is a thing let it get out in the rest of the world right thinking ahead um, I'm tempted to say something like "Sunshine" because like, well, they got the, they dropped the bomb. Um, great score, and, or like "Inception" is like, well, they incepted. Um, you know, they did not incept. That's a good point. Yeah, they, 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 they did. Crew. They did. They did. They did the, they did the job, they did, and then some. Probably got paid overtime for Ken Watanabe. Like, you know, a lot of things. <laughs> oh, like I get, Oh, are we going beyond uh horror? Oh, be, uh, yeah, I'm just because I'm just thinking. Yeah. I'm just thinking of like. I mean, Michael like, Michael writes cinematic crew, so I'm, uh, and but, he, he lists like 
horror slash thriller, but I think I think you could go beyond. But be, I mean, regardless, I, I'm saying I could do those, but my answer is going to be the Monster Squad. You know why? Because a bunch of preteen kids killed Dracula and the Wolfman and the oh creature of the Black Lagoon and befriended Frankenstein. That's an all-timer crew right there. That is Wolfman's got nards. Exactly. Like, <laughs> what, what crew beats – and they're not even old yet. Like, they're not even they, old And yet. they did all that. Like, that's, a, that's, a, that's an amazing crew. Take that, Goonies. What'd they do? They, made, yeah. they got a boat to leave? Okay, great. They they ate a baby Ruth? They got Joey Pants arrested? Nobody wants that. That's bad. Nobody wants that. They, nobody, nobody wants Captain arrested. <laughs> <laughs> Alexander, how about you? Any, any cinematic crews that you like besides the, the, the crew and the thing? Uh, It's hard to go beyond... Uh, it's I can't think of anything horror without going to like Jaws or Alien. So I'm just gonna go a completely different genre and say uh, Ghost Protocol. Yeah, yeah, because the, the world didn't get nuked. <laughs> it didn't get nuked, and also, um, like despite everything going wrong with their equipment, uh, they stuck to their guns and just kept moving forward with uh, the mission because they kept they just trusted each other. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that yeah, that's I mean, look at the first Mission Impossible; they all died. Like <laughs> that's a terrible crew. Why was there a second yeah. team? Why was there a second? Yeah. <laughs> well, you see, Ethan, your family's farm got paid off. It's like, what? <laughs> All right. The next question here, Chris asks everybody here on the panel today. Chris Cleland asks, why, oh, why, oh, why is Gal Gadot doing these Netflix movies? Heart of Stone is even worse than Red Notice. I guess he must have read Aaron's review. Um, but I... uh, any, any notions, Alexander, why Gal Gadot keeps making these Netflix movies minus uh, the paychecks? Well, well, you just you just you just foiled my answer. <laughs> That's why. Well, now including paychecks, Gal Gadot's got to eat. Girls got to eat. I uh, mean, I I mean, honest to be totally honest, I can't. I don't think I can speak fairly because I've not seen Red Notice or this new one. You're fine. But it's it's one of those like I guess she just wants to work things. I I can only hope that you see the French Connection and Exorcist before you watch either of these movies. Um, oh oh, I will. Yeah. I. I mean, yeah, it's money. I, I would, I would say, and this applies to anybody, not just one person, but like a lot of the ones that have these big stars in them, they tend to be producers on them as well. That's an easy payday. Like that's, yeah, they get more control for one thing. So there's a lot of control over their own image sure. and what have you. Um, a little the, bit of a that double dipping, huh? The money's there up front because it's Netflix, so there's no inherent residual. Like they just get there, and there's no back end from box office or whatnot. So it's like mm-hmm. it's all right there. And if you're the star and the producer, that's a double payday. I mean, that's I mean, just as cynical as that might sound. And like, it's a job. I mean, I you know, I get it. And they, ideally, they have passion behind it. And I'm sure they most of them do. You know, I I don't think like Ryan Reynolds didn't make the Adam Project because he didn't want to like be in motion. He certainly seemed it. a little sincere. Yeah. yeah, like as much as I find that movie whatever, I get it. So it's like I I think the the money is certainly a part of it, but also I, the idea of you get to you get to mold a certain version of what you want to do more so than you would with a, a regular studio film. Sure. Yeah. And the last question we have here is from Philip Hurd. He writes, when you repeatedly see independent film directors having meager box office returns, how do they continue to get funding? And is there other revenue from streaming and physical media sufficient to make their films profitable in the long run? That is a good question, Philip. I, I got to think about this question. Well, I mean, when it comes to independent film directors, the thing to understand is the... Those studios, I think they they have to they have a goal in mind, I believe, for these kind of movies where sure. they're obviously going to be limited as far as marketing compared to giant blockbuster films. They're going to have less theaters to be in there. All of this is stuff that they consider beforehand. 
So there's not an expectation for them to be giant breakouts. Is that desired? Of course, if that happens, like say, look at Talk to Me, for example, that movie is doing much better than right. I'd imagine A24 anticipated. Um, why they keep getting the money or it's a, why directors keep getting to make certain films is, well, that comes down to reception. Like, sure, it might have underperformed because there was no chance that certain movies are going to be just make a lot of money at the box office like that these days. But if they're well-reviewed, they get awards consideration, they make the studio look good, or if the director's just nice to work with, which goes right. a long way. I mean, it really does. That yeah. factors in, that factors into why they would continue right. getting the chance to make more movies at certain budget levels, because you make the other movies. So you can ideally support movies like this. Now that can be tricky when it comes to independent studios, but something like, I don't know, The Green Knight, which is a costlier A24 movie than average. Mm-hmm. It's because they have a working relationship with David Lowry, like where they they have certain expectations for what that kind of thing could do. And yeah. yes, international sales, physical media, streaming rights or what have you, that helps, that that adds to it. But it, you know, there's there's other things to consider with those kind of movies besides box office is basically the point. Yeah, Philip, when I think about this, you know, a movie that comes come, kind of comes to mind immediately is um, The Northman. Um, so Robert Eggers, who's made the Vivich at that point, he's also made the the Lighthouse, um, and then he comes out with this movie that is sort of quote unquote um, a larger. Well, I mean that's a that's a hundred million dollar movie for like an eighty million dollar. Yeah, movie. yeah, but yeah. considering that he comes from the these smaller movies, yeah, um, and the studio was like, well, we want to see what you can do. I, a lot of what Aaron said there is true too. You know, the the return wasn't there for that movie, but I think that critics were like, this is a really good movie. And also there's some really cool things that have been has been done in this from a cinematic standpoint. So it kind of add it, it it Robert Eggers doesn't lose any respect from the studios because this movie didn't did not perform. They may have miscalculated the way that the movie would have would have performed and, and perhaps, you know, added too much marketing budget to it. So it overinflates its its budget kind of thing. But I, I don't think that these directors are going in with the mindset of I hope that this does. I, I've made a movie to be gangbusters. You know, these these independent directors. I don't think they're coming in with the mindset of like, I'm here to make um the best fucking box office movie after I've made like s- several small in- indie films. Like, I don't think that's really their mindset. For sure. I think their mindset is like, I'm gonna do the best that I can given like this larger budget. And I think that sometimes the studio is thinking to themselves, we have this name director whether that's, you know, um, a Robert Eggers or even like a Chloe Zhao um, or maybe even the Daniels who who have kind of said that they don't want to do a big budget movie. Um, but we'll see, you know, money talks. But they kind of come in with the, this resume of, well, a lot of people have seen their movies and we want to see what they can do with like a larger budget. And sometimes it just doesn't pan out, you know, like this is to answer the second part of your question of does it make money in, in the long run? Probably not. Like it kind of, it is what it is, but it can it can become like a cult classic, um, and in many ways that that is uh, reputationally, you know, still better than like what it might have made at the box office, which becomes part of its like story. But you know, I don't so think they're... these independent directors really really give a shit either. But just like like Robert Breger's like I think he's been very vocal, but it's like I don't care if people watch my movies or not. Like I'm making movies because I want to make them, um, and if you want to see them, then great. There's a clout factor involved as far as the involvement of other people in it too, as far as like why you get certain actors or what have you, where yeah. just the awareness alone ultimately helps when it comes to streaming views and things like that. Like it's things that there are 
there are other factors into what the long run is going to be where it's not the ideal always like obviously the ideal is let's make a shit ton of money first and then make more money later <laughs> like that's sure. any that's any business <laughs> like right. but but yeah i mean there's plenty of you know, horns going on outside there's plenty of considerations as far as what the expectation is like we've right. been saying versus what yeah. the reality tends to be right Even if we're presenting this in a fairly optimistic manner yes it ultimately does come down to hey so someone knows how to make movies and does it at a certain budget level, we can afford to keep hiring them. Right. Yeah. Alexander, what do you think? I'm pretty much on board with what you two have said. Uh, one director that comes to mind in terms of this field is Richard Linkletter. Sure. Sure. Because uh, yeah, yeah. like what like one of my favorite movies of his in the last 10 years is Everybody Wants Some, uh-huh. which yeah. was not a box office success like it was 10 million dollars it cost 10 million dollars made only five Mm -hmm. but it's like look he like it didn't make that much money but he's had such a long career making these slice of life type movies the dazed and confused the before trilogy boyhood so it's like people like his reputation throughout his career is strong enough to where yeah he could continue to make movies like these uh yeah, and exactly. like especially we saw, uh, last yeah it was just last year with uh he got to make Apollo ten and a half which was a very, a different uh type of movie than it was similar but different from what he usually made, mm-hmm. which I think um I don't I know Netflix doesn't really advertise what exactly their movies do streaming wise but I thought it was an experiment that actually worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I certainly recommend that movie. That's a, just a good one to check out. But yeah, it, it, Netflix is in like these streaming services are just a, such an interesting, <laughs> they make me question money so much as far as what's able to like happen when it comes to right. these things. But I mean, yes, having added value of certain names of people that have reputations that goes, it can, that goes the long way. That helps right. for sure. Yeah. Good question, Philip. Thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you, Philip. Um, with that, that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode about Now Theron and Abe. Uh, you can find more of my work by personal blog, DakotaZeke.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I write movie reviews for League of Entertainment, and I write Blu-ray and Criterion reviews for Why So Blue. I am on X slash Twitter at Aaron's PS4, and I'm also part of the Summer of 93 at 30 podcast. It's part of the Brandon Peters Show, where myself, Brandon Peters, and Scott Mendelson go over the summer movie season of 1993. We are in August now, so we're nearing the end of this uh, special series, but it's been a lot of fun. They're all recorded, so they're all coming out on a weekly basis, and there's a lot of just cool movies from 30 years ago that you can uh, hear about us, hear us talk about. Mm. Uh, Abe? You can, find more, you can find more of my stuff over on my Instagram, abe.mua, and twitter.com slash moose hashtag Hulkabear was a good dog. <laughs> Alexander Robinson, where can people find more of you online? You can find me on YouTube, Alexander Robinson Movie TV Reviews. You can find me Instagram slash the real Mr. Robinson. Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter or X, uh, real Mr. Underscore Robinson, you can. But I'm I'm purposely trying to phase out using that platform. Mm-hmm. But uh, you can also find me on Letterbox slash Mr. Robinson and my uh, and my and my uh, travel and vlog channel on YouTube, Alexander Robinson Travel Channel. Oh, very cool. Excellent. All right. Uh, you can find all the other episodes of Out and Name on iTunes, Audio Boom, Spotify, and uh, Stitcher. SoundCloud, HSWD, and Podomatic. Feel free to email us at gmail.com. Check out our Facebook, Facebook.com, podcast. Or you can check out our X, Twitter, at out, out, underscore podcast. And we're on Instagram.com, so it's underscore podcast as well. And remember, iTunes weird ratings, good to get those. 
Um, Alexander, thank you very much for joining us this week. Thank you, Alexander. Thank you for having me on board. This was fun. For on sure. board, you cheeky bastard. Uh, I didn't. I did not mean to. <laughs> these these things come out naturally. Uh, I, I swear I did not mean to do that as a pun. These things well, just worked. happen. We're Good all just, job. We're, we're both winking at you right now. Yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, next week we'll be talking Blue Beetle, DC's Blue Beetle. It's coming. It's part of one of those universes. <laughs> but which one? Exactly is the question to ask yourself. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the plan for next week's show. But once again, thanks to Alexander for joining us. Thanks to the listeners for listening. And until next time, so long. And goodbye. Good night, everyone. slapping so on <laughs> this is it's... the last liam cunningham with his great monologue voice this is the lo- this is the captain's log uh stardate uh, 80 14 27 yeah like, <laughs> all of a sudden like uh, we are low on supplies the men are and then oh clinking in the middle of the night oh the dog's barking woof woof uh, oh no the dog's dead who did this to buckwheat his name's not buckwheat, buckwheat. huckleberry <laughs> This Huckleberry, and then all of a sudden, like, oh, it was you! I've never sailed with you before, and then oh, dismay! And then me, it was a monster, (laughs) a monster called Dracula, Dracula, and then night shots of like uh, fucking Nosferatu, Dracula (laughs) in the background. Oh my gosh! Uh, I don't know if they show Anna the girl, and then oh, Voyage of the Demeter, boom, boom, boom. That was your best one yet. <laughs> or in a while at least. That was I mean, I, I I it's probably because I you and I've talked about this where it's like, I wish that they didn't show the Dracula guy, but we'll talk about that as the, as the movie progresses. Um anyway. I, I, um, I'm tempted to not even put the audio in. I just want to just keep this. No, Def- no, no, no. Definitely in the bloopers. <laughs> no, no, no. We we need the we need the real trailer. Fine. All right. Let's put our ocarinas away and that's seven games ago. Ocarina oh, time. <laughs> What if we did that? What if we, we, we character swap? We did a review of no, no. If the game we, I mean, the, if the game's character swap, it is like a new Zelda up. It's like, guess what? You get to play as Mario. It's like, what? Oh my gosh! <laughs> the crossover that we don't need. See, that's a little. That's what Illumination could do if they wanted to be clever. They won't be. But I like, think it's what pronounced if, Illumination. What if Illumination made a Mario sequel? And it was just Mario hopping to different games. That'd no, be thanks. crazy. Actually, that'd be kind of cool. It would, but it's too good of an idea. They're not going to do that. They're going to go the lazy route. Be yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yoshi's Zoom, in it. Zoom has our recording. Yeah, they're going to send it to the. the I heads. hope they do because in, in three I years, hope they do. in three years when the Mario Two comes out, it's just like, yeah, it's the same movie, but Yoshi this time. That it's going to be. It's going to be just as bad. This um, is a good point. All right, let's go. <laughs> all right. I hope they hear it. (laughs) (laughs) I dare them to hear it.